authorities have initiated a multi-state manhunt for William Butcher. If anyone spots William Butcher or any of his known associates, Marvin Mill, Hugh Campbell, or this man, please call 1-888-0-CRIME. The world still needs superheroes. So let's get out there. Let's take these cocksuckers down. We are famous now. Don't you worry. Daddy's home. Lucky that I showed up. Welcome to Dissecting This Fiction, a podcast where we discuss the latest in movies, TV, and games. Because we're always DTF, and you should be too. I'm your host, Steven. And I'm your co-host, Jessica. And against our better judgment, DTF is here with a special spoiler episode of The Anatomy of the Boys. <laughs> but not like that. Well, I thought it worked out pretty well for James Gunn. <laughs> Why not give it a try? Oh, good. Think of this one as more of a soup of the day. All right. <laughs> we are not alone this time. We actually are joined by a few of our close friends and guests. Introducing Jess Candelori. That joined us from our last episode with the Dissecting the Snyder Cut episode. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Doing pretty well. Second time on the show. How are you feeling about that? Uh, it's awesome. I appreciate any time that I'm asked to be on. So it's very cool that I get to discuss um, this show too, because I'm a big fan. We're also joined by Paul Hart for the second time. <laughs> I didn't even realize <laughs> that we did that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, you know what? Double down. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, might as well. I definitely fall into the guest category as opposed to the good friends uh, <laughs> uh, comment. So <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. We're always chatting it up on Facebook and oh, yeah, yeah. having a good time. No, but, but when you said it's a different type of the anatomy of a boys, I feel like I should just see myself out right now. <laughs> uh, I definitely got signals crossed on this one. i'm really excited to be on thanks for having me on again yeah of course and introducing our new guest eric marable hey thanks for having me i'm just really curious to see as we dissect the anatomy of the boys to find out if they've been cut too (laughs) well if you ask amazon's uh review board they have certainly been cut (laughs) all right Yeah, yeah indeed All right, so um, I'll just give you a quick roundabout of what's the stats here. Um, Obviously, it's available on Amazon Prime, and um, Season 2 came out September 4th, but with a fun twist, (laughs) they dropped only the first three episodes, and then another one each week for a total of eight episodes. People were super pissed about that, as you guys might remember, and like review bombed the shit out of it. And 49% of the 1,400 reviews submitted were one-star 
Review bombs. That's insane. What is your opinion on this whole review bombing, review bombing situation? Do you think there's any way past this kind of behavior? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I thought it was an awesome strategy. It got people talking for the week. It got to, it got to marinate. And again, I, I grew up in the period where, where shows came on once a week and we just waited. So it was nothing mm-hmm. new. Um, and even Eric, he goes back to when you used to watch news clips in front of uh, movies in the theater. So he could probably... <laughs> He could probably so just, just kidding, Eric. He could probably relate to that. No, I thought it was a good strategy. You know, it, it gets to marinate, and I think just people have now become so spoiled in the Netflix model of getting the whole season in one day. And for people that work or have other things to do, I mean, you weren't really worried now about having any huge twists, which there were a lot of this season spoiled before you even got to watch the first episode. That's true. Yeah, it really just comes down to entitlement, really, is what the issue is. It People want their cake and to eat it too, right? So it felt like they were trying to please both sides of people who enjoy binging and people who enjoy that slow burn of week-to-week conversation. Yeah, I feel like they're they're pretty much fucked regardless of what like strategy they took so but I think I agree that it was a good one because if you are working you don't necessarily have time to watch every single episode on the same day and then end up getting spoiled many times before you get a chance to actually watch the episodes so I feel like the week-to-week thing is nice it's refreshing after so many years of the whole binge watching culture yeah I liked how they did release a couple because it kind of I was festering to watch something good and watch something new. And the boys, I love it so much that when I got to see a couple episodes and then go week to week, I felt like I got my fix. Yeah. And I was able to to, to kind of binge it a little bit after or uh, if I wanted to pile it up. Because right. I watched it, uh, the first couple I watched, and then leading into the next week, I watched them again. And then it kind of felt like the binge a little bit. But I don't generally like to watch movie, shows like this. I don't like to binge them myself. But I don't mean being in the pandemic, some people didn't have much to watch. So they wanted to binge something, which I get them being upset. But it's like it, I, I just don't get it. It's like it's like Paul said what he I grew up to with. Uh, well, I mean, after the live stream of War of the Worlds on the radio, um, once I matured <laughs> a little bit, um, <laughs> growing up to watch something, to sit down, to watch something at a certain time, to make plans to watch it once a week, to talk about it with people, to get you more amped up for the next week. I, I prefer that a lot more with heavy content. So I don't, I hate these review bombs. It's just pathetic. Right. And you had like, you know, you had your lineups because I'm also like as old as you guys. So you had like your lineups of shows that you would watch. So like the more, um, the more series that do this week to week uh, episode release, like you can then create your own lineups of like shows you want it. Like if you like use the Mandalorian as another example, like you could watch Well, they're not out together, but like if they started to do that, then you can make your own lineups of like, okay, I'm going to watch this and then I'm going to watch that. And then I'm going to watch this. And you don't have to worry about like having to catch up or anything. Like, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I like binging stuff, but I do like this way as well. Like, I, I want there to be more choices for that. Yeah, definitely. It really comes down, too, about, like, the type of show it is. Some shows you do want to binge and others you you don't mind watching in a sporadic capacity. Yeah, and 
I think it's safe to say it obviously worked because I know I was reading that um, it doubled an 89% viewership from season two to season one and over 891 million minutes have been streamed. And I think with everything that's been going on with the kind of mirroring a lot of what was happening in the news mm-hmm. that people were talking and like, you know, when like episode four drops, people are like, oh my God, like that's that reveal or whatever it was is, is, is so comparable to now. I think it's getting people to really get into the show an audience that they didn't have before. And I think the week to week really helped people hype up how great each episode was. And it got people to log on to Amazon and give it a go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just moving on a little bit. It has a 97% rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes for critics and 79% audiences. I don't really understand that discrepancy, but I don't know. Rotten Tomatoes is confusing these days. Um, And as of now, they have made up a decent amount of those one star bombs. They're at a 3.5 on Amazon Prime. I feel like that's a joke, like that they're obviously truly much rated much higher than that. But that's out of the 10,800 and something ratings um, that I looked at yesterday. So that's just kind of embarrassing that trash people that review bomb have been able to detract from the score so much it's really irritating to me so it's doubled in ratings since yes. we last reported the the review bombing yes yes okay. they've been able to make up for it quite a bit since like yeah. normal people have started reviewing it as well but this also kind of in a sense shows that reviews don't really matter right because yeah, exactly they have a season three that they've already been working on so they're not concerned about the reviews as far as Amazon's side, right? Yeah, they it's know about... it's a successful show. They know what they have. Yeah, it's really they don't that need to know vocal if... minority is really is what the issue is. Yeah, it seems like they don't really need to. They don't care what your rating is as long as you're watching it, and that's what they can monitor. Um, okay, so let's do a quick little spoiler-free review for people, and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty. Basic. Most vague way I can possibly describe it is in this season, the boys are continuing to try to defeat Vought while now they're in hiding as fugitives from the government after the the effects from last season. And Stormfront joins the Seven as a new soup, sort of. Um, <laughs> so do you guys have, do I, did I miss anything? Do you guys feel like there's anything else that I can say about the season that's really not a spoiler because i feel like i had trouble deciding what was a spoiler and what wasn't because there was so much content yeah i don't i don't think you can because it, it there's so many little things and little turns that that kind of lead one into another you probably collapse like a you know house of cards if you gave away too much right i concur okay so just generally how do we feel everybody i guess we can go through and um talk about how we felt about the season and if you have any specific characters you want to mention, obviously, if they're not a spoiler, go ahead and mention them. Um, maybe character arcs or whatever that you liked that you can vaguely describe. And then we'll move on. Steven, do you have anything you'd like to start with? Uh, I mean, I overall, I was really satisfied with this season. Um, it felt like it was definitely going its own direction. Uh, I think every episode had me thinking I knew what was happening. And then I was not at all on the same page as the writers. And uh, it was just kind of like a nice surprise every episode, you know, between character relationships or, or the twists of what's happening. It just felt like it was a fun experience that I just was sitting back and waiting to, to find out the conclusion by the end of the eight episodes. 
I really enjoyed it. I was just say it was fucking diabolical. It was <laughs> it was awesome. Now I, I do have a quick question. Um especially in regards to like uh the Emmys and the Golden Globes, what does this get classified as? Does this get classified as a comedy or a drama? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> And my main reason for bringing that up is because Anthony Starr's performance as Homelander in season two was just at a whole nother level. Like the dude just he brought so many aspects to Homelander, especially like the parts where he looks like he's super pissed. But then you can see tears welling up in his eyes and you just never know what to expect from him. So he would be my early favorite for best lead actor in a. I would say a drama. I mean, because at the end of the day, there are funny parts, but it's a very dramatic look at like the superhero culture and then our culture. So I just thought, I thought every episode was almost better than the last. Uh, So many arcs. We got to see so much backstory, especially from one uh, beloved member of the boys. So I was just, I was, I was all in on this, but it was Anthony Starr that kept me coming back every week. Oh yeah. He's, he's definitely the, I guess, the main character in my mind. Like I know Huey is deemed the main character, but I feel like Homelander is kind of what makes this franchise something to come back to every week. Oh, yeah, absolutely agreed. Uh, So just fun fact, it was nominated for an Emmy for outstanding sound editing. (laughs) What? So comedy then. It was a comedy then. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) There was some good scene. There were some good sounds in the second season. That's uh, very true. Very true. A lot of disturbing sounds. <laughs> a lot sounds of sound effects. In the second <laughs> season, for sure. Well, from what I understand, they can do whatever they want. I can do whatever the they, fuck they, I they want. Can <laughs> they can do whatever they want. It's such a whole new meaning to that. Yep. The, I, you know, this season, the as much as Homelander was really good and is... is um, you, his motives were shifty and his motivations were questionable as far as understanding what his motivations were. The two characters that I kept really having a fun time with in this season, opposed to the other ones, were both Frenchie and the Deep. Because Frenchie, they get into his backstory, they really play with his character, and, and they really get into it as well as the Deep. You get to, I mean, I never, I can't say I feel sorry for him after the first season but this season you really get into those two characters a lot more too without having really like episode centric um episodes dedicated just to that character i think they did a great job with their performances and getting their characters out and making them just as entertaining at certain times i mean the the deep has a scene that's probably my favorite scene in the series or uh the season but i don't want to really give it away it was such that scene alone questions whether this is a drama or a comedy too. So, <laughs> um, I agree with you, Eric. Uh, Frenchie's one of my favorite characters, and so like I really enjoyed just seeing the further progression of his relationship with Kimiko, um, and just like what is motive, like what motivates him. And kind of him figuring that out himself and then coming to terms with it and kind of resolving it. And that's really, really hard to be so vague and not give anything yeah. away. <laughs> um, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and, uh, you know, I really, I do enjoy Homelander, but he's not, he's definitely not the reason why I keep coming back um, 
to the show. Um, but I do enjoy the way that you never, you kind of like every once in a while you'll be like, wait, is he going to do something good? And then you're like, wait, no, he's not. Wait, <laughs> but he might. And it just, you just flip back and forth um, between that. But I also think uh, like Billy's, Billy's personality and seeing what he goes through, through the whole season and just like how he kind of shifts back and forth as well. Um, I think that they kind of play off of each other on the opposite sides of the spectrum pretty well. So I enjoyed that this season. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think you all have a very good point. But obviously the big difference in this season was Stormfront. And I felt like... How do I say this without being spoilery? <laughs> Her character arc was insane. I uh, didn't expect it. I haven't read the comics. Steven did. Um, so I don't know if he was expecting it or not. But... It was, um, she did a very, very good job of portraying what she was supposed to be doing. She was very easy to, okay, let me say she was, she elicited all the emotions she was supposed to as her character. (laughs) 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 So I have to, I'm really, I think Aya Cash did a great job with that character. If you've ever seen You Are the Worst. I feel like it's her character from that show with superpowers. And that's not to say she did a bad job and did the same character. It's to say she took that character to a whole new fucking level in this show. And I thought she did a great job. I keep meaning to go watch that. Okay. So I'm going to start. I'm going to dissect the shit out of this one for sure. Yeah. I mean, I would have to agree. It was dissected for me. Yeah. As much as the review bombing bothered me mm-hmm. that people were so impatient i mean i also was impatient but like I, not to the extent that like i'm gonna ruin the show it, it like just yeah it makes no sense it got me more hyped to want to see every episode and so yeah it was just i couldn't wait every time i watched an episode it was great mm-hmm. i'll i'll go ahead and say i dissected as well um every episode in this season was tied in um and it wrapped up really nicely at the end um and everything, every episode left me wanting to watch the next one, and, and especially like the season, you know, the the finale, as well, made me super excited for the next season. So, um, there, I don't think there was an episode or even a part of an episode that I was bored in or that I was like, oh, I don't think we really need this. Like, I was engaged in every single episode. So, definitely has to be a dissected for me. Yeah, I'm gonna jump on the bandwagon and totally dissect it too it was was fun (laughs) it's a nice you know when in the mcu and whatever dc's trying to do uh this is a great (laughs) alternative to that where it just takes the whole superhero complex and flips it on his head and it was a really nice fresh a breath of fresh air the first season they just they just carried that momentum in full force uh and just beautifully um mix it in with shit that's happening in the real world and uh taking characters to new places and like jesse and um eric said uh the frenchie arc is definitely a highlight so yeah it's it's i totally dissect it it's all on you eric you gotta ruin this episode no i can't (laughs) ruin this episode uh i gotta dissect it It was. It had so many great story arcs. It made you almost want uh, make irredeemable characters somewhat, uh, at least 
they're not redeemed yet, but you can see how they can be redeemed. Um, God, some of the scenery and the imagery of this was fantastic. Um, moonlight silhouettes and all you would never have expected. Um, it's just, uh, it's pulls at the heartstrings. It, it doesn't, it takes you in a direction that you are not expecting to go with all the characters. Um, and it does it in such a good way. So absolutely. I, uh, dissect this as well. Right. So I guess that means we have five people that are DTF. <laughs> we sure do. <laughs> okay. Let's go to spoiler town. Yay. So this is your last warning. If you're listening and you don't want to hear spoilers, then goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> See ya. Well, I mean, we kind of already got into some of the characters, uh, but maybe we get a little bit more into, um, homelander i i you guys brought up i think jesse brought up that um you just didn't like how he you didn't know whether he was gonna be good or bad like he just he kept sometimes you felt like he was good sometimes felt like he was bad and unless i misunderstood what you were saying but that's kind of what i loved about the character was like i felt like there was so many moments where i was like you know what this guy is definitely misunderstood but then he'd have those psycho moments where he just freaked the fuck out on somebody and it, oh. I think it really told a lot about not saying that he is a character that you should sympathize with, but like it does say this guy's gone through some shit and you may not agree with it, but you do understand why he's the way he is. And I think that the storytelling and, and the writing in that sense really worked well for the character. Whereas the first season, I felt like it was just like, yep, he's a douchebag. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's not that I did. It's not that I didn't like it. It's it's just not his character is not what brings me to this show. Like I love those moments, um, but like if you're asking me why I watch The Boys, it's not because of Homelander. Like that's not the reason. It you know, but I I do and I do appreciate you know what what he is going through and and you can see what it is i mean you know he's so starved for attention because he was raised by scientists who basically were afraid of him and probably hated him and you know that's why he can't you know give up the starlight you know the stardom and the hence mm -hmm. for his own son <laughs> because he's that damaged and he's just you know it almost seems as if especially from you know, going from season one to season two, like in season one, you, and maybe in the, the beginning of season two, you might think like, oh, okay, like, I think he's, I think he can be redeemed at some point. And then by the end, you're just like, mm, I don't think so. Like, <laughs> you can't do this for your own son. Like, <laughs> so I, I don't think there's hope for you, which I mean, I could totally be wrong about that. But just well, he did have, he did have moments where he really showed uh, compassion and stuff for his son like uh, one of the later episodes I think actually was probably the last one where his son had like a anxiety panic attack with all of these people surrounding them and the the Vought restaurant or whatever it was and he took them away and then and then they had this kind of like father-son conversation about how he tries to be strong and like what what his son can do to also kind of beat his his fears and all that stuff yeah. Uh, so moments like that, I thought really shine for for Homelander. But then, you know, there's moments where like, you know, at the first episode where uh, the the death suit shows up <laughs> and then, you know, you think that he's all like impressed. They're like, oh, yeah, we can, you know, have diversity and, and representation on the crew. And then, nope, 
he fucks him up and then he just basically treats him like a piece of shit that is ruining his day <laughs> like out of nowhere and it's just those extreme flips are, are i think what make the character so so good and what's great about that scene which i agree with you steven so hard is that he comes off like you're kind of like oh yeah he's gonna totally let this deaf superhero in and then he fucking you know smashes his ears in which in <laughs> itself is a complete fuck you to the marvel netflix shows you know they obviously take a character so designed to be just like daredevil and you got <laughs> Homelander just smashing his eardrums in. Uh, so they definitely started off this season saying, you know, like, we're not going to be your typical Netflix show. But, yeah, just his range and that whole scene where he's like, he's almost coming off like a fanboy to, I don't know if his name was Blindspot or uh, whatever yeah. that superhero's name was. You know, he's, he's a complete fan and, like, he's a kind of appreciating. And just a whole knock on what... um. I forget the lady that they brought in three place uh, still will Ashley when how just her lines alone are so meta and kind of making fun of everything like, Oh, we're going to totally pander to like the millennials. Cause we're going to have a disabled superhero. And then he just goes differently able, differently <laughs> able. That's right. That's right. Terminology was so important in this, uh, with the super villain and the super terror. Yeah. I really oh, love yeah. that. Homelander would always correct. Uh, Super villain. Villain. <laughs> oh really God, add like a meta cool. level to the real life of, of comic books and stuff. Yeah. And uh, and then even going so further with, with him in Stormfront where he is definitely, when she's starting to teach him, like when she's starting to talk about the whole like, uh, like race war type of thing, he even has a look on his face like, what the fuck is she telling my kid? Like, so you definitely see the conflict inside yes. of him as to do I start to go against everything that I've been built upon? And I could be wrong, but I feel like a couple months before this uh, season dropped, they had a really crazy trailer of a young Homelander in the, in the lab where they would just bring in like nurse after nurse and he would end up kill every single female nurse that they brought in. I think that dropped like a couple months before the actual season, which in 2020 time is like eight years ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, just the whole dynamic of him just being so, so physically and emotionally far away from his human counterparts where you don't want like you, you never really sympathize with him, but you're like, I get it. I understand why he's doing this. Everything he's doing is horrendous, but it all makes sense as to the type of environment he was brought up in. So Homelander was definitely a fun, terrifying character to watch explore his own psyche. Mm -hmm. And to add on that, um, there's even a conversation where he has with Stormfront near the end where she's praising the whole situation about how they're going to put Compound V on the streets and basically more people are going to have access to it, making more soups, which is going to bring basically their evolutionary superiority to the forefront over everybody else. And he's like, well, what if it gets in the wrong hands? What if you start getting more supervillains? And like that kind of moment where he, no matter how bad he's been, like he still shows ounces of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like I guess a conscience. Yeah. Like, like a, a good conscience, you know, like he, not sure about that <laughs> <laughs> okay all right like i might 
because I, you know, I don't, I don't think, I think he, I think in that, I don't think he's really worried about supervillains. I think he's more, wor- I think he's using that to kind of, like, he would use that to win the argument for not releasing V because more soups means less spotlight for him. We know that's his huge, that's like that's the most true. important thing. That's a good point. He, in his life. Competition. It yeah. would be competition or, or less shine yeah. on him if it was more standardized yeah because before like him and storefront started boning like he was ready to like murder her because she was getting more press than he was <laughs> like yeah and then when she says the thing at one point where oh then we don't have to play this dog and pony show or whatever yeah, where there's like, not going to be any of this nonsense and he's like clearly upset by that like yeah, he, he, he wants that. that oh yeah he likes the whole pr side of it like he likes the whole marketing and, and branding of of the seven right and that's that's his thing it's not really about saving people it's just him being in the spotlight yeah yeah which is funny if he's so threatened by that because in a way in season one it was more for the villains but he had a train literally pump random people full of compound v uh so it's kind of like he created his own undoing but uh, my favorite homelander moment of the entire season is when he goes to that different country with that super villain when he lands oh and he puts his hands up and he goes, Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> like so scary. And then he just fucking beams him. Uh, man, I had to watch that like eight times. Just his whole, <laughs> is it like, Ooh, <laughs> which was a, a fantastic scene because it was kind of like the whole, we're catching our authoritarian figures on cell phones and it's becoming his undoing. So yeah, it, just his whole relationship with compound V and wanting to use it only for super villains now being used to make superheroes definitely puts him in a whole different ballpark. So yeah, uh, yeah, I just fucking love that shit. Yeah. He's so, he's such a messed up character too because he's got that we, we've kind of skimmed over the doppelganger he, or shapeshifter Aww. he's got in his place <laughs> and he's still so hung up with uh still well that he's got that he's got this guy shape-shifting into her so that he can do whatever it is he's doing <laughs> well, kid, it, it's so it's, it's it's such a broken psyche that he does that like he has this guy basically is hostage i mean there's no way he's there on his own free will and then just the way he's stroking his ego shifting into homelander himself when he doesn't want him to be uh still well anymore and it's like oh my god he's and that's kind of like what does it i think is what really cracks him a little bit more is when he shifted into homelander himself and it's almost like homelander had like an awakening like oh yeah that's right i'm the fucking man and I'm like, oh my god! It was it was so creepy, mm-hmm. and so at the, eerie. At the same time, though, I feel like he was definitely into it at first, but it gets yeah. to that point where before he's about to be, you know, as the audience, you're like, oh my god, this is going to happen. <laughs> this is happening. Are they going to show it? You know? And then he grabs his head, and then he just fucking kills him. Right? So. To me, that was symbolic of he hates himself to an extent. And like at first, his ego was, yeah, no one's better than me. But then it kind of turned in my head to I can't even stand seeing myself. You know, it was kind of like a mirror concept, I guess, where he just 
he's got issues. Let's just say that. <laughs> like he clearly has issues. Yeah. And I think that was a good representation of of him just not really knowing who he is in the world. Well, yeah, he was starting to see himself the way everyone on social media was starting to see him. I the, that's how I felt, and he always like he got disgusted by who he was in that moment. Yeah, well, he never he never takes a look at himself. That's the that's the thing. Like up through you know that point, I don't you know he's probably never never wanted to look at himself because that's this whole you know that's this whole thing is like again like raised by scientists like nobody loves me like and that sort of thing so that that shape-shifting moments like the first time you know aside from like looking in the mirror but it's one thing to look in the mirror it's another thing for you know yourself <laughs> to do all these ridiculous things um so that's the first time he's like really like looking at himself and Man, I'll tell you what, the, the one detail that, like, I always love is just, like, in the background, if he's, like, like if he's somewhere and he just, like, picks up a glass of milk, like, that's just, that's, I love that. <laughs> like, that is such a good detail um, to have just, like, in the background. And he, I'm like, oh, damn it, you got to get over that. <laughs> like, <laughs> pick a different thing. <laughs> or or he he sneaks the uh the old ass bottle of breast milk from the office, <laughs> and, and then he's like trying to hide it. I think it was from Ashley, the the PR yeah. representative. Uh, that was that was a good scene. I like that. Okay, I think we've talked a good amount about Homelander. I'm sure we'll talk more throughout other portions. But let's get into uh, <laughs> Queen Maeve. <laughs> Sorry, played by uh, Dominique McElligot. McElligot? How do you say that? That's uh, uh that sounds right. McDonald's. Yeah. McDonald's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Dom McDonald's. Um, I feel like they they did a good job at making her kind of that neutral party of enjoying the spotlight of where she is, but also torn because she's emotionally unable to deal with the shit that they have done in this company. And I, I thought that she was a, a good character for the viewer to kind of see the the struggle that like these soups are doing bad shit, but some of them aren't doing it because they want to. They just don't know how to deal with the consequences. What do you guys think? How do you feel about the character and how they portrayed her? Yeah, um, I loved it because my favorite uh, scene probably in the entire series right above Homelander mocking the the supervillain is um season four of episode one with the whole airplane and just I think that episode last year really set the tone and kind of showed you exactly how evil he is and the fact that that carried weight over into this season and the effect that that had on Maeve and her especially her understanding that she did a lot of evil shit to get where she was. And she now pretty much hates herself because of it. Like she, unlike Homelander, she is totally willing to just despise herself and really put it out there with uh, her partner. And just the whole, the whole angle of, um, you know, uh, them being the second best uh, lesbian couple behind uh, Ellen and um Portia <laughs> which which is funny in itself especially with all the crap that came out about the Ellen show around the same time this came out but just like how they're trying to make her you know this perfect 
lesbian couple, and there was that hilarious little part where um, I forget what they said. Like, yeah, you know, they're more accepting of just regular lesbians. Let's not get too, <laughs> let's not get too radical. Don't muddy the water. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then you know, there was just especially the last episode where she just really does the right thing, not caring about the effects that it's going to have on her, but she actually becomes. Besides Starlight, one of the true superheroes who is doing stuff for the people that don't have the means to protect themselves the way she does. She really becomes a protector to those who can't. And I thought it was just really interesting to watch her struggle with that and her pretty much telling Starlight to fuck herself when she asks for help and then coming on to the other side. So, yeah, it was a great internal struggle on her part. I feel like she was kind of this character who was starlight at one point and just kind of got broken down over the years in the seven and i I think that starlight i think her shit with starlight it to me was representing what she used to be and and her not being able to to deal with that and and i think obviously you see a, a shift by the end of the season with her and and her motives and what she actually does but i i thought that that she was played well and She's kind of played pretty similar to in the comic. Um, you brought up the airplane, though, from season one. That played out a lot differently in the comic than it did in this. And I thought that was very interesting. In the, the comic, she was more of the aggressor in that scenario. Uh, Homelander was more of a, we fucked up, and then he wanted to get away. And then tried to fix things, and then made it worse. It, you know, And then this show, they really portrayed Homelander as this, he was the narcissistic you know, monster in that scene. So they've, they've definitely shifted her character, I think, for the, the show from the comic in the sense of her personality. But I think it's worked well because it, it, it's a very neutral character for the audience to understand that not every soup is a piece of shit. Yeah. I looked at her like the whole time not being like necessarily a piece of shit soup, but it's like she always I looked at her as she knew there was bad stuff happening in the seven and she knew that she couldn't, she wasn't strong enough to, to take them down or to beat them or to expose them. But she just almost stayed in there because if she stayed with the seven or she kept where she was at, then at least she could do some good. Like she wanted to do good and tried to do her best, but she just wasn't either strong enough character, strong enough person to take them down. And she was afraid to try to take them down. So she just stayed with them uh, just to keep some sort of leverage in the seven. I always, that's just the way I always looked at her too. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that airplane scene, I didn't see Homelander in, in season one at that scene being a, a villain or being evil. He was basically, I took him as like, Oh, we fucked up. We can't save everybody. And if we save anybody, it'll expose us to, to show that we were the ones that messed this up. So we got to cover our, cover it up. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, a good thing. Obviously, you it, the best thing would be to at least save who you can. But he knew he couldn't save them, so he had to let them all go and cover it up. And he I almost kinda, seemed like he didn't want to have to do that, but he knew he had to. I kind of thought that scene was um, like that whole scenario was intentional. Like I thought it was part of his game of chess to get what he was trying to get out of season one as far as the uh, government support and all that stuff. Yeah. So I interpret that completely different than you did. Yeah, it wasn't, um, wasn't it like the, like they went to save them and then somebody, and he accidentally killed the pilot. Wasn't that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. 
they yeah. were hijacked, right? Yeah, yeah. and he yeah. beamed Somebody the control. Killed the pilot. Yeah, he yeah. was supposedly just trying to kill the the hijacker, and then he killed the pilot and the controls. Yeah, so um, I think I kind of I'm inclined to agree with Eric, where I I don't think it was part of his like I don't think he was being necessarily evil at that point. I think he at that point he was still trying to protect his reputation because in you know like like we discussed before in the end it's all about his um perception or the public's perception of him being captain america so (laughs) um i i think that's what he that's the only his end end game i'm sorry for the pun his end game there (laughs) (laughs) was to you know protect that by any means which was not letting anybody survive Mm -hmm. um but as far as uh, Maeve goes, it's it is nice to see that conflicted um, character who goes back and forth because I mean she does do, you know she does do in her own way what she can um, to do like the right thing. You know when she gives um, the what is it the um, almond joy to Black Noir, you know does these small things, but she knows that she can't there's not a way for her to get out so i think every time starlight's like oh like you have to help us do this she's like but they're like they're just gonna come back at us and it's not you know and they're just gonna shoot us down again and like we're not gonna be able to get out of this um so it is nice to see that like that conflicted person and i agree that um you know that her her conflicts with starlight is her you know, try, like, I think it's almost like her trying to, without, like, saying it, like, you know, um, outright, is like, you know, she's trying to get Starlight, like, to discourage her from going the, down the same path, of being like, don't even try this, because it's just going to make you more upset, like, in the end, and you're going right. to be, like, smoking a bong and drinking in your house alone, <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> yeah, Eric has... I- my mind on the thing now because I thought that was all evil <laughs> but you know like he literally went there with the best of intentions to or maybe not the best is the yeah, yeah. but like he I think his I think his goal was to save the plane and he even works it out in his head like shit dude I'll fucking break this plane in half if I do this and I think you know he's just such a strategist where he was able to flip it on the fly as to like you know terrorists did this and if we were with the army we could have saved this but i don't think he was going into that thinking i'm going to just let all these people die so i can make a point so thank you eric <laughs> yeah you're welcome so glad i can be you know marketing director for homelander <laughs> it's, it's your uh, dream job a couple interesting facts, actually, for that whole scene in the comic, too. That plane was a part of the 9-11 attack. It was one of the planes in that scenario. Uh, that was actually a test for the Seven to work as a team, and they miserably failed. <laughs> and actually, you know, the science, you know, where, where Homelander goes, well, we can't, we can't hold the plane or whatever because it's going to snap in half if we try with our strength. That's exactly what he fucked up in the comic, was he tried to do that, and he snapped the plane in half. And uh, so I kind of like that they took something from the comic and then they they worked it into reality and like the science behind it and why you couldn't do something like that, that you 
you know, it can't tr- it can't translate in a grounded concept of superheroes. Thought that was interesting. It it really ruined the whole Superman Returns plane scene for me. I just. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking of the uh, helicopter scene from Superman because his arguments with with physics is the exact argument people have where if Superman were to catch Lois Lane and the helicopter, he would have like flown right through her because of the, the force of gravity and the speed and trajectory trajectory of her body that he would have never been able to catch her. You you better be careful. Joe Vitale is going to go homelander. <laughs> On your ass when he hears you say anything about that Superman movie. Oh, you're right. Uh, well, we brought up Starlight, so why don't we get a little bit into her? Um, I feel like they definitely gave her a bigger role in this, obviously. Again, she's kind of going down that path of she came in in season one as the innocent young superhero who wants to to do good and, and thinks that this whole system is their to help society and we're you know she's quickly learning that is not at all what this is it's all just about money and success and uh i think her character has really come a long way since season one and you're kind of seeing her i guess kind of cave on some of her i, I don't want to say morals but like understanding that y- you can't win if you don't play dirty at times yeah to an she's extent learning to adapt to adapt to the game yeah yeah she even she even like I believe she killed that guy, right? In in, in the car. Yeah, yeah, I, it, yeah. That was obviously an accident. I it doesn't. Well, seem like yeah. She, but yeah, like now she's got blood on her hands in that sense. You know, like she she can't take that high road of I don't kill people at this point. Which early in the season you see her disputing with Homelander in the sewer about uh you know obviously it was Huey so it was a bigger issue for her but. You know, he wanted her to straight up murder him. And, and you know, her argument was, I'm not I'm not going to just kill somebody just for the sake of it. Like there's we're here to do a job. She stood behind that at that point. And, and you know, then later on, you see she accidentally kills a guy. And now she's got this. I'm going to assume that's going to weigh on her going into season three, much like we've seen Huey struggle with the shit he's done throughout the seasons. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, what I loved about Starlight was she really opened up a lot of little small details that I enjoyed about at least the inner workings of Vought. Like uh, in the first episode when she, that guy that was in one of her little teenage superhero groups with her where he could grow back his appendages and just how they wrote that in that this is how Vought tests their products. Like they get these people with supernatural abilities and they use them as guinea pigs. I just love the whole inner working process of how they design their chemicals and just how fucked up of a corporation Vought really is. And Starlight was a fun character to explore all those little avenues with. Because mm-hmm. she truly is like the the naive viewer, really, in the beginning. Like she doesn't know all the trash that's going on behind closed doors. So it's like she's learning with us. She's the Ryan Howard from The Office in the first season where we're coming in. <laughs> Just not knowing how fucked up Scranton is, and now, and now he's he's totally part of the problem. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he starts the fire. <laughs> Billy Joel <laughs> reference, love it. Anybody have anything to say about Blackmore? Blackmore. <laughs> uh, I was okay. I was very disappointed by uh what they did with this character. 
same. Um, you, were you guys in the panel at uh, C2E2 when we were all there? Yeah. No. Okay, so I swear they hyped that character up as though there was going to be a big story arc for, for yes. him. Yes. I don't remember. And it, it just was not there. I mean, he, he was a little bit more prominent than he was in season one. Season one, he was just kind of background. But this season, he had his moments. You know, there's the the terrorist thing where he goes and he fucks that guy up. That was like, what, the first scene of the, the first episode of the season. So, it you know, that was like a big highlight, but very early on. That was cool only because I felt like I finally understood how dangerous Black Noir was. Because yeah, before, it, it, I really was like, yeah, who cares? It definitely oh, okay. let you realize that he's much power, more powerful than they have yet to show. You know, he's you see what he's up. He's he's capable of at this point. Uh, and then obviously he he goes after the boys later on at at the aunt's house, um, <laughs> where, but he, I, where he cosplays as Harry Amar from Home Alone, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then somebody I, I believe brought up the Almond Joy uh, scene where, where he <laughs> so he attacks he attacks Starlight near the end there when she breaks out and and uh, Queen Maeve just uses an Almond Joy to to neutralize him. Uh, and I, I thought that was a, another great, clever take on these beings that have these superpowers and a nut allergy is what takes them down. Yeah. I, I read something that the actor has a nut allergy. That's why they put that in there. Oh, okay. Oh, so really? he have that? Okay. Yeah, that's that's funny. funny. Which I, okay, I really, I did not like that scene mainly because, and Steven, you've read the comics. I won't say anything more, but the fact that that kind of takes away or kind of makes it impossible for there's a huge reveal as to who Black Noir is underneath the mask. And that almost see, and that's one of my favorite uh, parts of the comic book when you find out who he is. And now it feels like that will definitely not happen in the show. Yes and no. I, 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 I agree with what you're saying, but I feel like they can easily work around that to get the character. If it's the same character, I, I could see how they could do it. Uh, they could easily. Oh, I see it now. Yeah, uh, they could easily explain it. I, I don't want to get too far into it because I don't want to. Well, yeah, but the <laughs> fact that they say the fact that they even have a throwaway line that now he's like a vegetable. Um and has no more use. So yeah, I can definitely kind of see where they could now take that route to get to where the comics are. Did we just lose Paul? No, no, that was the end of my sentence. Oh, okay. That that was the end of my sentence. I've been talking too much. I wanted to. (laughs) Yeah. Does anybody else have anything to say about black noir? I I don't want to steal all the family. Not really. They've like started him up to, to be something really cool. And they, they had a couple of good spots where they could have done something really interesting with him. And it all just seemed to fall flat. Yeah. Like, I was not interested in him at, at all. I agree. When they, that very first scene, I was like, oh, this guy's fucking crazy. Like, let's see where this goes. And then they just totally dropped that ball. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I guess for me, it was in my head, it was hyped that he was going to be a huge role. And then he wasn't. So now I'm like, well, what the hell? <laughs> where is that? So I, I really hope that they adventure into him even more in season three, because I feel like they could do a lot. You know, like Paul said, they clearly are going to, it sounds like they're probably going to go a different route with who he is, assuming they ever reveal it. But 
they could go the traditional comic route. But most of the show, I feel like they've been really steering away from the, the main source material. Like they have glimpses of it, the, the general summary of it, but they, they really have taken their own direction with a lot of these characters, whether it be their background or their their story arc, their origin. Like they're all very different than what they were initially. So we'll see. But uh, I definitely want them to expand on that character. Yeah. How did you how did you guys feel about A Train? Uh he was seemingly gone by the end of season one, but they they brought him back and he was kind of a background character. I feel like they kind of gave him a smaller story than they did in season one, but I feel it was to give other characters more time. What did you guys think of that character? It's just it felt like they didn't know what to do with the character. Like he was bouncing in between being a redeemable good superhero character versus how they've had how they ended him a little bit as not being that. But it just yeah. didn't seem like they they just used him as a platform to springboard like uh, uh, Starlight a little bit. Yeah. He was basically a plot point fix too, right? Like it was yeah. not really a fix, but like to jump the plot ahead. Oh, now this big dramatic thing's happened. Oh, here you go. And he yeah. just pops in with, with like a, an easy fix like that. That really is kind of his big role in the, the season, right? Yeah, they, they, they kind of lead into the the church of what was it? The collective, the church of the collective. You know, they kind of lead into that deep got involved with that. He was recruited and then he recruits a train. Um, I think he's a good character uh, showing the downfall of somebody who is not really seen as in their peak anymore. He He's obviously relatable to, to any athlete out there who who was probably at, at the top of the list as far as the league and then you get an injury or, or just age and you're kind of trickled down and, and no longer seen as valuable. Uh, so I thought he was used well in the sense of representing that and how athletes are, are treated over the years. But I think he was kind of short lived as far as the role he took in the season. Yeah. But that being said, I think that he was kind of integral to the things that went down. Even though he had kind of like a smaller part, I he led to one of my favorite moments in this season was, which was when uh, Starlight kind of started to realize that she knew how to play the game, and like when whenever he has finds the V on her, and then she's like, "You're not going to tell anybody shit." Like she finally realizes that she knows how to read the situation. So I think I really enjoyed seeing her figure that out. And without his little interference and his skeletons in his closet that she could throw back at him, we wouldn't have had that like slight moment of growth for her. And he's like the source of the information they get at the end, which is the winning, the winning bet. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely used uh, to to progress Starlight's character, right? To, you know, show that she's not going to stand down uh, anymore. She's not going to just do what she's told. It's actually a very interesting story relationship they have compared to the comic too where in the comic he's very he's kind of the deeps character but in the comic he 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 tries to rape her in the comic that was a big fucking deal and so i was surprised they didn't really go that route in this when they've kind of touched on that kind of stuff already in the first episode of this show in general so i guess that's kind of how they they've changed that you know they've, they've changed roles of what characters do what but like he's a complete piece of shit to her in the comic. And so in this, it's kind of nice to see 
you get that relationship, but she's standing up for herself, which she does eventually do in the comics, but you're, you're seeing it play out a lot quicker, it seems, in this. It's, it's kind of good that they didn't have necessarily a rape scene or an attempted rape scene in this. I liked the power dynamics that, or the abuse of power that they did in the first one with the deep and starlight. But to, to have a scene like that, it would, I think it would bring it too much closer to Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm glad they kind of stuck away from that. Yeah. I think what they did with the deep was a good way of getting the point across of how serious it is, but <laughs> safe enough that you're not going to upset viewers yeah as far as what you're seeing not not upset them like it's not a big deal like it's obviously a big deal i just mean of what you're actually seeing the the graphic nature of it and especially thank god they didn't really follow what happened in the comics to starlight because in the comics it's it's more than just one dude at that time Uh, yes which could have been just really fucking super hard to watch. The only thing with A-Train that I wish we would have got more was more interactions with him and Stormfront, especially with the hostility that there was yes. there. And you really only get just them on um, on on the, on the set of the mock Joss Whedon, Zack Snyder movie uh, <laughs> type of thing that they're doing. But Dawn yeah, I just wish yeah. Dawn of the Seven. I wish we would have got more of Stormfront and uh, A Train and kind of see more of a little uh, blow up between the two of them. Yeah, that was the perfect representation too of of she. You know, th- it was always subtle comments uh, before the actual reveal, but like you'd always get this discomfort every time she saw him or talked to him. Like you knew there was some beef, and that. Eventually, obviously, you get the reveal with Stormfront, but I liked how he was very aware that there was something going on with her, and then he kind of pieces it together before it's actually revealed. Uh, but you're right. They they should have done more with that. It, it could have been a lot, you know, maybe have more of a, a, a bigger confrontation between them that maybe the other soups have to step into and then put more of a a side taking as far as I don't, I guess Homelander. I feel like they could have made it a little bit more, uh, I guess dramatic, M- make people take sides and, and then kind of show who they are and kind of expand on those characters through the issue with Stormfront having beef with a train. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I would have wanted to see the soups having to take sides. I liked the undertone of it all. Like it made, it made it more suspenseful like what was going on and how it was going to unfold. But I can see how you would want to see the team kind of get divided on something like that. It just seemed like it would have maybe overcomplicated the season. That's true. It could have overcomplicated it. Um, I think the big focus they wanted to put on him was that he was basically being forced out. But I guess my question for you guys is, was he being forced out because of Stormfront or was he being forced out in general? Like, if she wasn't there, would this still have happened with him? No, no, because Stan Egger even says at the, I believe it's the final episode or the, the episode before he tells the, the, the leader of the church of collective, like, well, if you have all this information on Stormfront, then you know exactly what her problem is with a yeah. So it seems like they were kind of putting their eggs 
in the Stormfront basket as to we got this we got this girl or you know we got the superhero that is tracking incredibly well with our followers and uh, her social media presence is amazing and just the fact that there's friction with her and A Train we're gonna side with our biggest money maker right now and he's gonna go he's gonna go away. Yeah, because before the um, before the the internet leak, he was telling the the that that leader of the church that it was going to be the deep that was coming back, not A yeah. train. So even said like they make they make that handshake and you think it's going to be the deep, and then when everything comes out, they're like, oh, we actually need to go in the opposite direction of having a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> on our team so uh it's a train <laughs> i read i read it as kind of just convenient for stormfront that they were going to get rid of a train because the first uh, first season he was on the verge of getting kicked out for not being fast enough right and then and this one he had the heart problem and then with being as how homelander just popped the eardrums out of that blind oh guy <laughs> i was like maybe homelander really only does want the fastest and the strongest but not fast and strong as him just you know the whatever their powers he wants the best of those people uh, i felt like homelander kind of th thought he was losing control and so he found something that he knew he could control and so maybe if um maybe uh stormfront is the reason that he left but maybe it's not because of her direct like her opinion i think it's probably it could be related to homelander needing to target someone for his lack, his feelings of not being in control. And so he knew that was a way that was something that was a battle he could win. And then it, it worked for the company too. So. We, and we do see that like pretty much all season, right? He, every time he is in a scenario where he has no control or no power, he goes to somebody else and then he bullies them or does something to, to, to get that fix of I am better and more powerful than than everybody right yeah yeah he's yeah. just like our cats yeah i don't know <laughs> i mean That's i true. i see that and like in the in the show itself like that is evident i suppose but um i i'm pretty sure after he has that after stan edgar has that discussion with the the church leader he tell he then also tells billy the same thing at their meeting when he's like He's like, well, it's all about driving the stock prices up and Stormfront, she gets people angry and angry, angry people want the V and the V drives the stock price up. So, yeah, I'm That's a black true. man, but I have to go with her like what her, you know, I have to go with her and she's not going to let like a train on the on the team or whatever. Um, so I think it's a little I think it ends up being kind of both things like it's just kind of a convenient like meld of things where it's like well she doesn't like him he's also having that those problems and homelander's also having a problem so why don't we just have the the solution that fixes all of these problems which is just to get rid of him that's true yeah uh i think it also says a lot to dan edgar the the ceo of vi i it, i think it says a lot to that being in the position he's in he's still backs a person who should not even be <laughs> in the seven uh and it really just kind of like amplifies the, the that the the power and the money and all of this corporate greed is what matters over 
morals and and on all this stuff you know just like a bigger umbrella concept of of what the show is about that's really true yeah it also um causes you to wonder like i mean and and billy kind of covers it just a tiny bit whereas like you know he he's like well you know i can get the kid and as long as you know you have the kid away from homelander then you have a way to keep him in check but it kind of like you kind of wonder how stan edgar got that power and how like, why are they still listening to him? <laughs> you know, like, how are they still not in check? And like, you, there are certain reasons why that you can kind of see, but like, at the same time, you're like, what the fuck did he do to get where he is? Cause he's like stone fucking cold. <laughs> and like, I know it's part of like, you know, it's part of the actor himself is just like so good at portraying that type of character where it's just like, you can't, there's no like emotion it's just like it's about money and that's it yeah you're like dude how did you get there like how did you get to this spot like i want to know like what you did yeah i think there's a lot of that that character that we as viewers would love to see kind of expanded on i almost kind of wonder if could we see him having powers at some point like could he be a secret soup like i don't i just it's it's so crazy that he you know, like the scene where he's with Homelander and 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 uh, Homelander getting really aggressive with him, and and he's just standing his ground, and he's just like, "Hey, look, you guys fucked up, and now we have to deal with it." And it really just tucked Homelander's tail between his legs. And I'm just curious, like, if he's able to stand up to Homelander like that, like, it, does he have some wild card that we don't know about, or is it just he's that confident that he can do whatever he wants and say whatever he wants with Homelander? Or any of them, really. I hope he doesn't. Uh, I think that makes him more scarier if he's just a regular guy that just has that much influence and control over these superpowers. I feel like it'd be mm-hmm. a little bit of a cop-out if all of a sudden he just, like, fucking heat visions Homelander in the chest or something. <laughs> no, I'll just say I, I, do, I would think it would take a lot away from his intimidation as just being a regular normal dude with just so much money and power to do whatever the fuck he wants. Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, if you don't give him powers, then it says a lot more about him and, and and also where having money and, and authority and stuff where that can bring you. Right. He's able to to hold up against people with literal powers just by the position he's in. Exactly. Um, one thing I will say, though, I, I think he was a, a good character and I liked the, the kind of the conversations he had with some of these soups. But I will say I was a little disappointed because I feel like he was just the same character as in Breaking Bad. Yeah, he was a lot like, like Gus. It just felt like he was just that character with a different name. And I guess I know that that's what he's good at, but I just I guess I wanted something different. Yeah, he, he's he got a range to do more, but I'm wondering if they brought him in because of that character of Gus. I mean, it, it seems as though that's the case, but again, like, we don't really know what the, uh, you know, showrunners have, like, what their plans are for him. So it's hard to say now. Um, I mean, it he's, you know, he's the shadowy kind of figure at the head of, you know, this corrupt um company so i mean it's you know there's not really i mean not like just the way the characters built or you know that 
it, he's not going to give away anything. He's not, he's not going to give away anything. Cause that's just not the, the character's nature. So like, I can see where you'd be disappointed, but also like if they have a, a bigger use in mind, like they can't reveal any of those things now, you know what I mean? So it, it's really hard to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if they do have something else in mind, like we're thinking they might, then by having him portray this character that we all know he can do, he's there were they may be throwing a lot of people off the scent and making us not making some people not think harder about what's going on behind the scenes. So it'll be even more intensive a reveal potentially. It could be it could pay off, but you know, we just don't know that. <laughs> I feel the only other person if he was alive that could portray Edgar just based on knowing how tough of a, of a character similar to that role would be James Gandolfini, Mm. you know, just so I think you get someone that audiences are massively familiar with of just being able to believe that they have that power. Yeah. I guess also too, uh, now I think about it, having him very composed all the time, versus Homelander who clearly shows struggles with his emotion in these scenes I think is a good way of representing how he is different than Homelander as far as like having that power and the way he plays the game yeah and I mean just in like what happened at the end like you have to figure and maybe maybe I'm wrong but like I almost have to figure that he has to come back on Billy at some point because they made that deal and Billy totally fucked it. So mm-hmm. like, hmm, like there's gotta be some sort of re- retaliation for that because he was supposed to wind up with Homelander's kid and he doesn't have him. So it's like, well shit, you know, like he's it, it I would be very surprised if like that character just let him go. It was just like, all right, you know, no consequences. <laughs> You know, so mm-hmm. they do something with that. Um, oh, I, th- I think that was definitely setting up a, a plot device for, for next season. How did you guys feel overall about Ryan in the show? Uh, the, the the son of Homelander and uh, is it Becca? That was the yeah butcher's wife. He was good. He re- really reminded me a lot of uh, Superman's son in Superman Returns, how he's got um, he's super powerful and everything doesn't really <clears throat> know it to begin with, but then has something holding him back. Like, um, I can't really phrase what's holding him back. Like he doesn't want to be a super, but cause he's, I don't know if he's scared of his dad or whatever, but he's, he's just wants to be a normal kid. He wants to live a normal life. He wants to be a good kid. I mean, as far as we know, he doesn't even, he didn't even know that was his dad until the end of season one. Right. I, that's, right. that's what I took. So, I don't know how much time's supposed to have passed, but it seems like it's directly after season one's ending because Butcher is randomly left on the side of a road somewhere, right? After that event. Yeah. So presumably he's in a very small time frame that he knows that this is his dad and he's supposed to basically catch up with, oh, I have a dad and this is our relationship and all this stuff. So it looks like he's really trying to like, figure it all out and, and, and order his emotions, I guess. And, and like, I don't know I, that I just feel like he's internally struggling with having a dad now after all these years of it's just been me and mom. Yeah. That's struggling with just knowing that other people exist. 
<laughs> so there's... that's true. He was in a very small bubble. That's true. Yeah. So I feel like it's it's so overwhelming to him. It's kind of like whenever you take a kid who's been in homeschool all through elementary school age, and then they go into junior high or high school in public school, they they get overwhelmed as far, at least in my experience. And the character clearly had anxiety, right? Many scenes yeah. where he didn't know how to react to the environment he was in. It's a classic yeah. tale of nature versus nurture. It was it was a fun little thing to watch play out. What I wish they had done uh, with the power aspect was I kind of wish they did a will he won't he storyline the entire season leading up to the ending where we find out that he accidentally kills his mom. I, I kind of wish you didn't see the powers and Homelander was just really pushing him having powers and and he assumed he had these powers, but you never actually knew. You assume he did, but then you don't really know. And then that was the reveal at the end that, yep, he certainly does. I think it would have made that scene a lot more impactful because honestly, I felt like it was very predictable at the end that he was going to be in that position and do that exact thing with the same exact consequence. Yeah, that's a hard story to tell because every scenario of, of this kid with the powers, it's been told one way or another in some media or another. Even in movies, it's been told. Like, I don't see how they could have really gone down the path of this kid with powers and have it been 100% original. But yeah, having that kid with the powers for, uh, and have him kill his mom at the end, it would have been more dramatic had you not seen the powers for sure. And I think that whole aspect, too, of Homelander trying to teach him to use powers, although it was very pushy, I think it was a nice representation of Homelander wanting to be a dad and, and wanting to have that family that he never had himself. You know, it's kind of like, I want my kids to be more successful than I was. You know, I want them to have what I didn't have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure it came from a selfish aspect of him just wanting to feel better about himself but it was interesting to see that he did seem to put a sincere effort into wanting to be in his life yeah it, it was super weird it's like that kid the the kid could have helped re him redeem and gain his humanity but he's so far over the edge he, he would have never let that happen and then of course you, you know you see them him and stormfront you, you kind of see them manipulating him to get that family aspect that he wants you know, he he clearly wanted to get Becca out of the picture and just take Ryan for himself. Yeah, you know what? I think um, I think that is kind of true, but I think I think that was driven um, by Stormfront. I think she really was the one that created that wedge. Like I I think like before she came into the picture, um, I think Homelander would have been more willing to share the kid with Becca, but then Stormfront, you know, every time Becca would like say something like, Oh no, we, we do it this way here. She would kind of like look at, her, look at her like with a menacing look and then say sweetly to Ryan something like, Oh, let's go get ice cream. It's, you know, and like completely undermine the parenting there. So like, and who knows? I mean, like maybe if she, if Stormfront wasn't there, Homelander would have tried to take, his son away um but i'm kind of inclined to say no even though like i was <laughs> really was like there's no redeeming him at all earlier but um and i'm not, I'm not sure there would have been even with the kid but i i, I feel like um and I, I it might only just be because he 
was so like Homelander was is so fucked up about not having a mom that I think like if Stormfront wasn't there, he would almost need Becca as that like, you know, just as you said, Stephen, like I'm going to give my son what I didn't have, which is, you know, is his mother. But because Stormfront was there, he could just kind of transfer it and be like, okay, well, if we go over here, then he still has a mother figure and it's her now, you know, instead of her. So I don't know. He, he strikes me as very much wanting to be the weekend dad anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, I, yeah I like definitely. <laughs> he would have gotten bored or, or found a different priority at some point. Oh, right. Yeah. Like- I mean, the relationship with him and Stormfront, it, to me, felt very much like that first puppy love scenario where like it's new to him and he's like all into this you know he he showed signs of jealousy very quickly with when she went off to do her secret mission with the mental hospital but told him it was a a conference right he went and he spied on her and then she wasn't there and then he fucked up the entire movie set and then (laughs) trailer right he he threw a tantrum yeah because he thought she was I don't know, doing something else. I don't know. Yeah, it I mean, made me appreciate my co-parenting situation so much better seeing, <laughs> seeing all that play out. Homelander wants all those relationships, but he only wants those relationships on his terms. Like, you know, there's no compromise there. So if something doesn't go his way, then it's, you know, then it's over. It's really like black and white for him, it seems like. Which really draws out the the sociopath concept, right? It, it It's <laughs> yeah. the manipulation of getting what he wants out of other relationships, but really it's about always benefiting him. Exactly. I mean, since we're on the topic of Stormfront, uh, how did you guys feel about the way they portrayed this character? Uh, It's obviously drastically different from the comic. They uh, gender swapped the character. Aya Cash plays Stormfront, and there's a few twists that we learned about this character. And uh, definitely, in my mind, she was very much a rival as far as viewership to hate a character with homelander (laughs) Mm. yeah they portrayed her perfectly to give me a character that i absolutely hated with the whole um influencer type vibe they gave her the racist vibe the fucking manipulating every situation everything her her tone of voice i I couldn't stand her anything to do with her she did so good (laughs) awesome yeah, I, I as far as the social media aspect, I think they did a great job with kind of highlighting how you can use modern technology as a weapon to to meet your goals and, and your needs to survive. You know, she explained the whole making memes that go against you in order to actually help you because it adds divide and, and essentially let you conquer by by using the hate. And and it was very interesting, the, the whole symbolism, because I think it really spoke a lot about current climates with, with society and how the Internet can populize and, you know, I guess, cancel people. Yeah, yeah. seriously. It sucks because um, one thing that about her character that bothered me. Sorry, I think my cords tangled. OK, um, she was obviously very hateable and. They, she did what she was supposed to do as that character. But there were times when I was like irritated because I really agreed with what she, like I, I was like, okay, yeah, I get what you're I like, I agree with what you're saying. That's a totally an issue where she calls out the writing about or um on the film pitch or whatever for the Dawn of the Seven. She's like, you write all yeah. women tr- like trash, essentially. 
And I was like, it's not wrong. Like a lot of times the women are written poorly. So like she did have some good points and I was like, okay. And then they fucking just flip the switch and you're like, oh God, what? What? I was agreeing with her. What happened? Who am Mm -hmm. I? Yeah. They did a very good job (laughs) of making it uh, hard to love and hate her because, uh, you know, another example when all of the, the women, you know, the ones that get it done, uh, when they're (laughs) all doing their PR stuff with all of the, uh, interviews and stuff for the movie. And they keep asking these stupid questions of like, oh, since do you think women are, are stronger than men? Like whatever, or soups or whatever. And like they're asking all these questions that are just very clearly angled at gender. And she just straight up says, you know, like, why can't we just have strong soups? Why does it have to be about gender and all this stuff? And like she makes these arguments that like as a viewer, you're like, that's fucking that's a great response. And like, you know, that she's defying what they want her to do, which plays into the whole social message of, you know, what what happens with diversity and and, and representation and all this stuff. And then, of course, you see Ashley in the background, like freaking out because she's not just <laughs> stuck to the, the script that she's supposed to say. And uh, so I like the wildcard aspect of that and just kind of speaking the honest mindset. But then, like you said, then there's moments where she she is she's Homelander. She goes psycho over things. You know, the the first scene, I think it was episode three or something when they're they're chasing the quote unquote terrorist, mm. which was um, uh, the female. Kimiko's brother. Yeah, it was her brother. MGM. Right. Yeah. Um, and she's just straight up murdering civilians in their own apartment complex just to get to this terrorist and if you don't know what's going on with this character like that is completely batshit crazy and confusing yeah i feel like that episode really was like the the final official reveal that she's a racist nazi like Mm. (laughs) yeah because there was maybe some i guess hinting or whatever i don't know i can't remember if there was a lot of information beforehand but i feel like it was more subtle like you knew there was going to be something wrong with her and then it was in that episode. It was really like, oh yeah, she just she hates everyone. That's not white. I mean, I would have just taken that as she just has no care or concern for anybody but herself. In the sense of, I'm here to get this guy. You're in my way. Like that's how I initially took it. And right. then again, you get these subtle comments to A Train or just general comments about superiority to others and stuff. And then like you you start to realize this bitch is a nazi and then of course they reveal that with with all the the reveal from the church and all that stuff and then a train getting the file and then yeah. it, it just all makes more sense like and the then, whole liberty thing yeah i think they kind of skimmed over that to be honest the whole i i her backstory as liberty i thought they could have played a little bit more into what she did as liberty rather than just like oh yeah she was this other character because you have no context of who liberty is Except for that she committed a racist murder. And that's the only well, thing we know about her. The one, yeah, that's the yeah. one thing that they say. But yeah, like, yeah. Overall as. Well, I think, wasn't that the point though? Is that like, she, like Liberty was like a superhero and whatever. But the whole point was that that racist murder was like completely overlooked because it was hidden. And like, nobody would believe the, you know, yeah. the the lady or the girl, the little girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah. I, in one aspect, I, I, I agree, but at the same time, I think, like, 
it parallels like what happens, you know, in real life really well. Whereas like, yeah, this happened, but it was a superhero. So nobody would believe it, you know, so they never went to the, you know, the public about it. Um, which obviously was like why it was hidden, but yeah, like I'm, I'm okay with them keeping that, like how they did it, you know, cause it was a whole, it was a whole episode out of like what, eight or nine, eight episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I'm okay with that because it really, you know, it's not, um, I don't know, like it was, it was kind of like the reveal point And then they kind of drove that home with just like, like when you know that, then you're like, oh shit. So what she was saying before, she was actually meaning that, not this other thing. Just like you said, Jessica, like, oh, like, who am I? Like, I agreed with her. Like, no. <laughs> you know? so, I, I guess it's just not relevant who yeah. she was before. It just, it's, it's a nice little tack on of she's been around. She's been doing these things for a while. Yeah. As far so, I mean, obviously that, that implies that she has some kind of power uh, to keep herself youthful right whether it be she's ages really slow or she just doesn't age at all i i don't know but it did seems like they they, there's a lot of power mysteries that they they didn't really explain which i'm sure was intentional Um, yeah because she said she was born in like 1919 or something insane so mm -hmm. or 09 i don't know it was a long fucking time ago and she still looks the same so i don't understand how that works and she's presumably the if I am correct, she was like the first successful soup out of yeah Germany, right? Yes. Okay. One that um, took compound beef successful, um, yeah. but it kind of makes you wonder if like the rest of the like the seven and all of the soups that got count compound beef, if they like you know age really fast up to like you know mid twenties to thirties, and then they just stop, so you wouldn't see anybody like. Eight, you know, and then they stop for like as long as she did, you know, like hundred years or whatever. Right. Start actually showing age, like so. It's like maybe that's that's how it works because I mean, just from what they said, it doesn't. It seems like she maybe might have been the only one. I don't. I I don't know. Like, it are there older superheroes out there like her, or was she just the only one? Because like when they when they were talking about the facility, uh, Sage Grove. Like those people couldn't take, they they couldn't like it wasn't stable with like older humans. So like was she like how old was she when they did that? You know what I mean? Like it's like huh, there's a, little, a bunch of questions and like what made her different that it was stable in her and not any of these other people? Like how many people they have tested? So it's just like an interesting little like side mystery, I suppose. Well, I believe it was that she was like. I think she was already married to the scientist who created Compound V. And no, so I- as far as I'm aware, that's how Vought even exists in America is because of the scientist coming over after World War II. Oh, I thought they were married after she got tested. That's why I was like, um, that's why I was confused. It could have been. It could have just been. I don't, you know, it, again, it's probably not relevant oh whether <laughs> they were a couple before or after the powers. But yeah, I don't um, know. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm assuming that she's going to play a bigger role as far as the origin of Compound V and everybody else. Yeah. Um, and as far as we know, she is not dead because, no, I, I mean, she definitely got fucked up. She lost some legs. She got fucked up in the eye. But Homelander makes a comment about how she's being kept in a facility or something at the end of the last episode. 
So she's obviously alive still. Now, my question for you guys is, she obviously has some kind of healing ability because uh, when Homelander laser titted her, it healed, right? So does that mean her whole body can heal? Was it just like a like skin level like we have? Or do you think uh, she, I, I guess, do you think she's going to be a complete character coming up in the future? Or do you think she's just done? Like her arc is over. I think there's going to be a w- really weird scene of Homelander giving it to her that way because <laughs> it would be, it would be the imagery of this show that would be ideal for this show to do it at the very least i think we could see homelander having conversations with her like in a cell right yeah i can't imagine that he just the, the way he reacted when he saw her um i can't imagine that he would give that up like hit that relationship up um it's hard to say that for sure but like I definitely think we'll see some scenes with the two of them. Now, whether or not, like, you know, they, she stays in wherever she's at. Um, if she gets, like, robot legs, if she grows her limbs. <laughs> yeah, no, like, Please knows? do that. <laughs> um, but I, I also can't imagine that she'll stay in where whatever facility that she's in. Like, I feel like she's she's gonna get out somehow. Oh yeah, I yeah. I mean, we we have to assume that they have no control over some of these soups and their powers, right? I I imagine there's some kind of drug that they use to probably try and neutralize them for control reasons. But I I imagine. We're going to see an escape if she does continue in the show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I personally feel like this is kind of the last of her. As far as we know, she can't really generate. And I, I guess I'm maybe that's more hoping on my part, just because she was such an evil character to know that she really doesn't age and that the rest of her life now, she's just pretty much useless and just will live it out for maybe another 80 years. And her own personal hell is pretty, Seems pretty beautiful to me. (laughs) She almost has a Darth Vader kind of uh, ending, right? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, also the injuries she received in the show was very similar to the character in the comic. Uh, She got her eye stabbed. Well, well, the character got his eye stabbed and then she just got her eye fucked up from the laser. But the representation was all there. Um, Well, she did get stabbed in the eye by Becca as well. Did she? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's what. Yeah. But overall, as far as the backstory, uh, they kind of kept the whole Nazi origin. She was, you know, or the character from the comic was a Nazi, uh, but they kind of did it differently where he Stormfront in the comic was more of a Homelander character. His origin was he was raised in the lab and he had no relationships. And so he had that same personality. Uh, which I thought was interesting that they changed that completely in this because as far as we know, she had a whole life before, but it's all based off her ideals and growing up in Germany rather than isolation from people. That's what bothers. That's one thing that I, if she does come back, I really want to find out. I'd like her to come back in flashbacks because I'd like to know more about what the fuck was she doing between Liberty and now? Cause that it doesn't seem like she'd be able to be under the radar. That was a question I had too. Was like, where what has she been up to on this show while 
everything else was happening because she you're right like they didn't really have her on the radar she didn't really exist as far as we knew right up until she showed up but she also was working the the mental hospital as far as we know right so she could have just been in the background doing that whole experiment yeah situation. i guess that's true that makes sense and then felt like it was her time to shine with with uh needing a replacement for translucent or the deep or whoever she was replacing yeah i wonder did she, i wonder if she had the same um powers as liberty because I feel yeah. like, like it's because <laughs> it would be like kind of strange for her to like come out and have the same exact powers and anybody be like, wait, hold on. <laughs> like, she looks real similar <laughs> to the superhero from, you know, whatever that was. Um, so I, like that, I was like, maybe she was trying to develop other power. I mean, I don't even know if that's possible, but she was trying to develop like other powers um, so that she could come back. I, I don't know. It's. It's real interesting to think about, though, like, what was she doing and why were they, you know, hiding unless she was just, unless Steven's right and she, that's all she was doing was just being at Sage, Sage Grove, you know? Uh, it's it's possible, like, maybe she even evolves or, or maybe she was stealing powers or, or adding to herself through the testing they were doing there. Yeah. Like, maybe that was a part of it was, was to see if you can take powers from others. Obviously, that that whole subplot adds a lot of potential story arcs for for next season right um they've had characters that were in those cells that escaped we i don't i'm not sure if i remember what her name was but there was the one character who had basically telekinesis powers cindy cindy Cindy. she got hitched over Uh, somebody (laughs) yeah so she obviously survived and escaped and now is out there so that's going to be i guess a replacement for a terrorist soup out in the the wild at least as far as we know for all we know she's a nice nice person and she was just misunderstood but uh it doesn't seem that way i hope she just goes after Vought. yeah that could be that could be an, an angle like a, a rogue soup trying to take down the the company but we did get introduced to lamplighter who was an original seven character that was put there to basically be hidden from the public how did you guys feel about the introduction of this character and and how how quickly I guess he <laughs> he was here and gone? Uh, I hate I hate to say it, I got I'm gonna have to jump off too right now. I tried to message you but it didn't go through. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. No, it's no, it's fine. I really I, I know you uh, said you you had till yeah. twelve. Sorry. Lamplighter is such a great character too, uh, but yeah, I thanks for letting me be on here. I loved the boys and talking with all of you guys. It was awesome. I'll have to try to make narrow down the time again and maybe just plug my dog up next time that's a joke i know (laughs) (laughs) well all seriousness though i I hope hope everything's okay with your dog and uh i'm but i am glad you were able to join us yeah thanks for having me guys of course bye take care i do apologize too because my land my landlord is leaf blowing right (laughs) now so you might be able to hear that one dude on this neighborhood which is all retired cops just all it takes is one of them to rake and then all 10 of them come out with their dick measuring contest of leaf blowing <laughs> who who can blow better yeah exactly <laughs> be a perfect segue into the deep um hey we, we uh, still sorry, have, sorry, have sorry. stuff to talk about with that character uh the, um lamplighter i 
Well, first off, I think it's awesome that they got Iceman from uh, Marvel, you know, from the <laughs> X Men. <Yeah>. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, I was, Bobby, no. <laughs> right. Uh, his porn addiction was hilarious. Um, but I think <laughs> I think he was a perfect catalyst to probably what was the best episode of the season where really he was a catalyst into us finding out that fateful night with uh, him and Frenchie yes. and really diving deep into Frenchie and kind of the work he's doing and gave us an introduction to all of the oddballs uh, at that uh, facility, mm-hmm. you know, ranging from giant dicks to just everything else it was just, Interesting fact about that character, too. Uh, (laughs) In the comics, he's actually a soup that is named Love Sausage. Uh, I think his real name is like Voss or Vass or something like that. But uh, he actually is an ally to the boys from Russia. I thought it was really interesting how they kind of get an Easter egg of that character, but he's clearly a different take on it. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah, just... Just I, I loved him. I, I really loved the way he went out too. I thought I thought they did everything they could have done with that character. And I do love that he uh gave some little Easter egg drops where he legit name drops Marathon Man, who was the predecessor to uh to A Train. You know, they get a little like this is where Marathon Man and me would bring all the college chicks in. Mm-hmm. So I just loved that kind of stuff. But yeah, he was it was a really well portrayed character and I enjoyed his self retribution. Yeah, and that's one of those moments where I did not expect that to happen. You know, I, I was just waiting for him to help Huey save the day and, you know, save Starlight from the cell. And then nope, that was not his plan at all. I mean it was it was to get him into that so he could do it, but no, he he had some clear depression issues. Yeah, I mean, I like they said so much about his character in what, like two episodes, I think. Was it only two that he was in? Um, but they used like just the storytelling and everything so well that it told you the whole story of like his character just in those two episodes where it's like, you know, We've seen this before with, you know, the other members of the seven where they're all kind of like fucked up in their own ways. And, you know, whether or not that's like the issue of V being like, you know, something that was given to them. So it kind of makes sense in that way. Right. Because even like Starlight, like even as like idealistic as she is, it still was her mother like being crazy that gave her, you know, the the V and everything, like just being like, oh, I need you to be like the best that you you can be and doing all the pageants and everything else. So they all seem to come from this like fucked up like upbringing or whatever. And, you know, but even through that, it's like he was like, dude, like I didn't know there were kids in the bed. And they're like, everybody's holding on to this one situation that had happened. And, you know, he's just like, I didn't know. I didn't know. And then that drives Frenchie to tell, like, his side of the story, like, to the rest of them, which he's been holding back, like, these whole, the, all these years. So, like, I, I don't know. Like, those couple episodes that he was in, like, I'm, I'm glad that they kind of wrapped it up like that because – and, like, didn't, you know, didn't keep him on or, like, had him survive just because it made such, you know – 
a much more like powerful impact, um, you know, and just like how torturous that had been. And especially since like, you know, he, he killed those kids and then he's, he had to be ushered away and hidden. And then he's spending all of these years, like basically watching all these other kids get tortured. So it's like compounding on what he had already did. So by the time, you know, he gets to kind of redeem himself, he says, you know what, I'm going to go out on a good light because this is like, I'm never going to be able to do anything better than this. And then just, you know, lights himself on fire. So I don't know. I, I, I really did like that little, those couple episodes with him in it. Yeah, and it, it also kind of really worked well in the way that they did that, where it gave him and Frenchie both really strong backstories and, and kind of propels those characters, even if you don't get a lot of screen time with them. Yeah. And it was a nice way they used that one story to to kind of work for both characters. Uh, and then it, it adds history because you yeah. know that this guy did have dealings with the boys in the past. He's not just this random character that's popping in. You know, it, it, it adds to the overall universe of, of the storytelling. Yeah, and adding context to the whole situation really helps you understand that maybe he wasn't really a bad guy on purpose, too. Yeah, he's, he's, he's another example of, you know, what they do with Queen, Queen Maeve, where he's in this world, but he's, he's not necessarily a, about what they do. He's just kind of stuck in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do have a question now. I, I just been racking my head on this is what what like what's the most you can do with fire as your superpower? Like, can he control a fire that's already started or can he just accelerate it? Because I really can't see much use for doing a lot of good by just starting shit on fire. Uh, well, I mean, he's got the lighter, so I would assume that he needs he could just do any flame he sees. He just needs to have it accessible. That, yeah, that would be my like, take on it. Yeah, yeah, but can he extinguish it too? Or can he just like accelerate hmm. it? To me, he kind of seems like a gambit, like um, superhero where like the power, you know, he uses the lighter as his like playing cards, but he, you know, so he could take any light, but it's not like, oh, like I can control the explode. Like he, like gambit can, do explosions with you know through objects or whatever but it's not much more than that you know like I don't, i'm not sure he's pyro you know in that aspect where he can like make the fire bigger right i don't know <laughs> it's hard to say yeah i was just confused as to what can he really do to save people by just making fire i don't know i mean, I mean it just seemed like he just made a, a flamethrower surely all it looked like right yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe he carries a cup of water around and he just throws it on things. Yeah, <laughs> he'd make a really good partner to the deep, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just got like a backpack full of sea creatures. <laughs> but that, I mean, that. Let's get into the deep a little bit. We didn't really talk a whole lot about him. We we have seen some character development with him from season one. Obviously, he was very hated in season one. Uh, he's kind of on this redemption path, arguably, I guess, uh, in season two, dealing with the the Church of the Collective. Has anything that they did with the season changed your perspective of the character, or do you guys still hate the Deep for his actions? I don't know. He's such a weird. It's such a weird character because um, <laughs> you kind of want to. You kind of like almost feel sorry for him because he's just so um, manipulative. 
and um, just clueless. Like he, he just like kind of walks in that church and it's like, um, you know, a Scientology thing. And he's like, yeah, sure. Like, I'm just going to give you my money and um, all this stuff. Cause I have nothing, you know, I have nothing else to do. So he, he, like, and it's like, he has no, um, I don't know, like self, I don't even know what I want to say here. He's no like self motivation to like do things for himself. He always needs that like person to tell him what to do. And it's like, you almost want to just be like, why don't you just like go into the ocean and like live with your buddies? Because <laughs> like, like, why would you, why would you be with all these people? But um, I don't know. Maybe it's just another, another thing of the, like the super, the fucked up superhero that's trying to look, for approval and hates himself and all of that other jazz. But uh, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to like him though. <laughs> like it, yeah. for, anyway, it's very hard to like him. Cause you're just like, you're so clearly an idiot and you just keep doing idiot <laughs> things. And yeah. I don't know, like first, you know, the first couple of times, like, okay, like I might feel sorry for you, but then by like the, the, you know, 12th time, I'm like, stop, stop being an idiot. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. The only time I, I felt like a little bit like not even happy for him, but a little bit like, okay, was when he was like, fuck Fresca. That was the only. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm curious, was that just product placement or was there some kind of inside joke? Because as far as I could recall, the, the church doesn't exist in the comic and Fresca is not something that's referenced ever. You know, I was thinking that too, and I was like, "Is this like the uh, the like official drink of like Scientology or something?" Because like that's <laughs> the only thing I could think of. I was like, "Why would they keep like talking about Fresca?" Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I just took it as their version of drinking the Kool Aid. Um, um, oh, that's a good take on that. Yeah. Um. So I was like, I was kind of feeling a little sorry for the deep, just kind of like, you know, but still thinking about the first season. And then all of a sudden I just, the second, or I believe it was the last episode. He said something. And it just enraged me because knowing Kripke, it couldn't have been subtle when he said his wife gives the worst blowjobs. Oh my God. Oh, it, yeah. it took me right back to starlight and is like, do they suck because you're getting them consensually? Mm. like didn't even pay attention to that 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 way that just pissed me off so hard when that line was dropped i'm like yeah he's a piece of shit but i would say the whole like interview process of like oh the the wives that he was trying to like find right the match he was trying to make with a woman the one he picked was very clearly all about sex right her whole thing was i can please you right so either she's really into sex or she uh, just is about getting what she wants and she knows that's the way to get it. So in that sense, I think it would be perceived consensual, but I, you're right. It, given his history, you could, you could argue that like maybe he's just the same character he's been, but he just, it's not on screen. Well, yeah. Cause I feel like every little thing in this show is very intentional and they could have picked anything else to say besides blowjobs. And yeah. just the fact that they did, I'm like, oh, you piece of shit. Yeah. So, like, he could only get off if it was, like, you know, he was forcing her to do it. Um, which is just so disgusting. Ew. But, um, yeah, like, to your point, um, 
Paul, like he would just do like he would have a scene where you almost feel bad for him and then he would just turn around and do something else that you're or say something just like that and you're like, fuck you. <laughs> you're so yeah. Weird. And he not, he doesn't have any like thoughts of his own. Like, you know, everything like he turned like he turned on um the arrow guy, whatever his name was. Evil uh, the Archer. Yes. He turned on him like right away. And he did the same thing to A Train. He was like, you know, and got it wrong because then Yeah, then, fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's an initiative, you know. And then it wasn't until you know, he was told not that he wasn't going to be in the seven that he it wasn't until that moment where he was finally like, I've had enough of this. And it's like, yeah, but you'll probably well, I mean, he won't go back for reasons, but, like, you know, like he's just going to find somebody else to tell him what to do, you know, or somebody else to follow. Like, it doesn't seem like he's ever going to have a redemption story, you know, it seems like everything he does is just motivated to be back in the seven. Yeah. And, like, I don't understand what the motivation to be in the Seven is for him unless he just enjoys being bossed around by um, Homelander because he can't make his own decisions. I don't know. It's a very odd dynamic with him. He he can't – he can't – he doesn't really have the brain power to be a master manipulator, but, like, he kind of wants to be. It's very weird. Very Homelander light version. He needs that attention. Yeah. And, yeah, like, like Jess said, he needs the approval. He – Everything he does is because he wants to be accepted by whoever he's dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Like he hates himself. He hate he hates himself a lot, apparently, from that, you know, the uh hallucinogenic episode <laughs> um, where he's his body it like forces himself to say like I love you, but it still doesn't do like it doesn't work entirely, you know, because he's still he's still seeking that, you know, approval. Um, but man, that, that fucking character, like that character, he's so infuriating and you're just like, I don't know why we keep like, what is, you kind of wonder what the master plan is for that character because it's otherwise it's like, why do you keep going back to him? You know, like, it's like, I, I don't understand why we keep, we need to see this guy anymore, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The, there's obviously going to be something that he comes back into play with or else there was no reason for his character doing what he did all season right because it wasn't really directly tied to the main plot other than bringing an a train who then got the file right yeah and i you know what yeah. i don't know why he uh i don't know why any of like the fish ever like help him anyways because every time he uses like he uses them like they wind up dead Killed <laughs> the that dolphin got like oh run out my car the <laughs> lobster so I guess it's a question of if like, he can they- just control them or if they actually are just openly helping him. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, why would you like stop helping him? Like you think that the word would get around like the ocean at some point. Yeah, that, that opening scene with the, <laughs> the boat chase, like I felt so bad because you knew what was going to happen um, before. Yeah. Um, of course, they gave that scene out before the show was released. But like just seeing it and you just knowing the character of Butcher and knowing... You know, like you said, the deep just constantly fucks up. Like, you knew it was not going to end well for that whale. And sure enough, it did not. Well, and that is now so, I didn't even think about this, but the last thing the Church of the Collective guy says is you're being a very toxic person. (laughs) And it's like every experience now he's had with fish and people, he is very toxic to kind of their 
consequences of hanging out with them or oh, hanging out with him. Yeah. So man, Scientology got it right on that one. <laughs> I think that was kind of a double message though, because I think that also spoke to them as you play by our rules or we're going to cancel you. Oh, because totally. they, they did the same thing to uh, the other character that, that brought him in. Right. Yeah. It seemed like the same scenario happened where they, they manipulated him into the church. And then when he realized he was just giving everything and, and being used for publicity and never actually getting whatever his side of the deal was going to be, he was frustrated. And then they were like, okay, you're toxic. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Which kind of plays into the whole Scientology uh, perception that people have of, of the religion. Leah Remney probably loved what happened to that dude's head at the end of this. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Cheering. And that was a, I mean, a big reveal, right? The, the, I guess, assassin soup that, that shows up and, and starts popping people's heads. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah crazy episode that was when that first happened at the, um, the hearing. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Yeah. I, it takes a lot to like surprise like uh-huh. to surprise me these days and probably a lot of people like in shows where you know things are a lot of things are like predictable so for for me to like audibly like gasp or scream is a big <laughs> deal. and that I mean that first at least the first time was just like holy shit like what the fuck and then then to have that be like the end of the episode and you're like fuck I have to wait like what? <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, that's the one problem with binging this kind of a show is now we have to wait like how long at least a year before we yeah. get any satisfaction beyond this now. Yes. Well, that uh, har- that harkens back to the first episode where yes. Jennifer Esposito's character's head just blew up where I was hoping to see a lot more of her. And then I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That character was definitely short. So the crazy thing about that, too, is like by the time we got to the courtroom episode, I had already forgotten that happened because there's so many other crazy things had happened since then that I was like, not even, it was like totally in the back of my head. And then I was like, Oh God, that person's still around. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the scary thing is it happened to a soup as well inside that courtroom. So we know that it's not just normal people. Anybody can just die by this power. Yeah. I thought it was Mallory. That my guess was it was Mallory that was doing it, and that was going to be some huge reveal. Mm, yeah, like I was jumping around for many characters on who it was going to be. Yeah, especially with the fact that it was Jennifer Esposito's character at the very beginning. It seemed most likely that Mallory kind of would probably be keeping tabs on her since she wasn't fully out of the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, well, we're in spoilers, so let let's just let the the cat out of the bag. Uh, so the assassin basically ended up being the congresswoman, Victoria Newman, who is a new character that had kind of jumped in and out of episodes doing a, a whole campaign against the soups. More against Vought. Uh, yeah, okay. I guess you're right. More against Vought yeah. slash Homelander, mainly because of his viral video of, of harming a, an innocent person during a, a terrorist fight. I have no clue what to think of this character because... I don't understand the motives. It it felt like she's eliminating people who are trying to achieve the same mission as her. What do you guys think of this character? Well, one thing that's notable about her is I'm fairly certain that she's supposed to be like a 
a TV version of AOC. So that's kind of fun. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that's done really well. So I like that. But the only I agree. It's kind of hard to figure out her motives because there's times in the courtroom when I well, when we rewatched the courtroom scene after we found out it was her. I was like, man, this bitch is a good actor. Like she <laughs> like you don't anyone watching her would have absolutely zero suspicion that it was her. So I don't know. The only thing I can think of is if there's some kind of ulterior motive involving all of this shit going on gets her what she wants in her, like some position of power that she's after, but she's already a congressperson. So I'm not really sure what else she needs at this point. Yeah. That's all I could think of is she's doing things against her mission because it will help her get the power to do the ultimate thing in the end. Yeah. It'll put her in a position to have power for the long game, I guess, is is what I can only speculate. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she she clearly wants the control of soups being made, wrestled from Vought, because she's against Compound V. So she's she definitely she definitely seems to want at least like maybe a free market version of superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um but that also then raises the question, like, okay, are we going to find out that maybe she was created, um, like, she was created as a superhero by a different means? Like, maybe not Compound V, maybe something that's different. Um, you know, so it's 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 hard it's hard to say, but it really was, like, a complete surprise for me as well, just from, like, how she reacted during the courtroom scene and how, like, scared she looked. So that you know, that was some great acting <laughs> on her part and the part, I guess, of like the character, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, holy shit, like I'm scared to death because you really didn't, you know, and obviously like if you're, if you're good at that as an actor, then it will transfer over to your character too. But if you look at it through the character's lens of being like, yeah, you're acting like you're scared for your life and you were the one who did it, like that's insane. <laughs> And also to be able to take like a full face of like brains, you know, <laughs> just willfully is pretty insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm just going to explode all these people and I know I'm going to get their brains all over my face, but it's cool. Yeah. Like I've, I've got other suits in my closet. Like <laughs> something else. Ha- I feel like personally something else has to be going on as well, because you notice at the end when she explodes um, Adana, the Church of the Collective guy. Her eyes are all cloudy and whatever. And like that doesn't happen in the courtroom that we see anyway. So I don't know. Maybe it's just strategically timed such that like she closes her eyes when she does it or something weird. But it just seems like there's something that we don't know, obviously, besides her motives. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if she has to be like within a certain range of the person. It it seems like it. Like, I yeah. want to go back and, and just rewatch and just, like, the, with the scenes that, you know, she's in, pay real close attention just to see if there's any sort of, like, giveaway, <laughs> you know, like, just looking for clues. Um, so, yeah. so, I she, guess a big question is, were the people that were killed in the courtroom intentional or was it just random to mm. create the cause that she had? You know, one thing I'm thinking of is that she's got to be, like, a double agent type of thing. With Vought, because, I mean, the whole purpose of Vought was to get more Compound V. And in this very televised thing, I mean, she's obviously the opponent. 
but now they're mm-hmm. like she's presenting such evidence like dude like we have a super villain that is blowing up heads of like congressmen and other superheroes that at the beginning of the next episode you find out that because of that they are making Vought compound v accessible to you know to the public so it's like is she a double agent working with Vought to try to get that you know to kind of help make their point and she's the last person to suspect hmm. yeah i that's an option i, yeah, I almost kind of wonder like somebody i think it was you jessica that said like maybe she's just a victim of compound v against her will and now she's using these powers to, to get revenge on on it just happening to her like i it, obviously she's going to be a bigger role in season three because they end the whole season with Huey coming looking for a job with her campaign, right? Mm-hmm. So she's obviously going to be coming back for the next season. Yeah, and um, you know it's it's so hard to say because you really, I mean, like you know she was she was just on the phone with the the head of the church and he's talking about how he can like destroy all these soups. And so then she blows up his head. So it's like, well, okay, are, do you not want to, but you blew up another soup before. So it's like, it's really hard to tell what her, um, what her motivations are. And I, I kind of hope that she's not a double agent. Like, I hope that this, the story is a little more complex than that, even though that's not like not complex, but I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I agree. I mean, to make it like an interesting story if that's the case but i kind of don't want it to be i kind of want it to be like something completely different that like we're not going to be able to see and we're like oh shit like what yeah and didn't like mallory and the boys actually give her all of the evidence they had on the soup yeah yeah i think they did so she could totally like i mean she can just easily destroy all that shit you know, like everything yeah. they have against the soups, like, you know, like she's the last person that they would suspect. So she can just easily destroy all of that shit now. And, you know, they got nothing. And now that she's got Huey working for her, she's kind of got like ears to the ground for both sides. Exactly. She can manipulate yeah. conversations to get intel she needs. That's true. I um, also hope she doesn't end up being a double agent, but I can see where it would go that way. And it could just be as simple as maybe she's this vigilante type for justice. Like they're the the leader of the church, you know, was corrupt in a sense. And and because he said that he had stuff he could do to blackmail others, maybe that made him uh, worthy of her so-called justice. I don't know. It, it, they could go anywhere with this character. Well, yeah. Uh, and, and because she is another gender swap character from the comics, you know, okay. she's, you know, like there's Victor Newman, Vic Veep. Mm, that's what i was gonna ask so this character is in the comics kind of kind of yeah it, but but victor veep is a lot more of a lackey like he is he is a politician and he is on like i think he's on the board of directors for vaught like under the table but mm. it's not nearly as cut and dry with victoria newman okay interesting mm. yeah i'm sorry it's so loud over here oh it's fine you're fine <laughs> We have neighbors that the guy I swear Moses lawn eight days a week. Yeah. I, <laughs> fucking, like, I don't understand how he's mowing his lawn so frequently. 
I was going to ask him, does he at least do it during the day? Because a lot of times these assholes are on at like 8 p.m. while I'm trying to put a 7-year-old and 5-year-old to bed. And it's just mm-hmm. got like the fucking lawnmower man next door. Yeah, so. yeah. He's usually doing it during the day. Yeah, at least usually, we get that. He gets like, he does it around 4 p.m., which is usually when we try to record our episodes. And then the funny thing is he'll leave it on and just like walk away. And I'm like, isn't there like a safety mechanism that's supposed to make it turn off? Like, how is that even a thing? <laughs> I've well, looked that, out the window a few times, and it's I, I'm like, how is this still making this fucking noise? It makes a very specific noise when it's idling. I look out the window, and he's nobody's there. Look out the window. Ten minutes later, nobody's there. I'm like, what the fuck? It's well, so we weird. ever see his kids with no hands, we know why. <laughs> yeah, you do that. You do that shit in Wisconsin before winter to just kind of, you know, because you're not going to use it for like fucking four oh, months. Oh, like drain it? Okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but you guys live in California. <laughs> yeah, we don't have that weather. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that makes no sense. Can we take a quick break? Like, two minutes? I'll allow it. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you, you, you guys can keep talking. I'll just be right back. <laughs> I'm so sorry. My internet lags a little bit. If I interrupt, I, I apologize. I don't mean to be rude. Oh, no. Everything's good. Um, well, okay. Let, while she's taking her break, obviously, smoking a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> Uh, why don't we jump into The Boys specifically? I mean, this is a show called The Boys. We haven't talked a whole lot about them. Butcher is kind of on the back burner to an extent in this this season, I, I would say. Uh, it, it obviously spawns off the reveal from last season of his wife being alive and having a kid from Homelander. Uh, and then we kind of we don't even really see him until the end of the first episode. Uh how do you guys feel about where they took the character, uh, how they used him, and just, I guess, overall his arc so far since season one? Um, I love this character. And, I, I, you know, a lot of it has to do with Carl Urban um, and just how much I love him in general. Um, but, I mean, you know, he goes through a ton of ups and downs um and we do get we get a little bit like of his um his backstory when his mom comes to visit and surprises him with his dad and we kind of learn you know that his childhood was not the best um with him growing up but like and we we see like the you know the way in the ways in which that weighs on him where he you know he has an inclination to think that the shit that he has will um kind of spawn off onto other people so he tries to keep them you know like at bay except for i guess like becca um but we kind of see like you know him go back and forth a lot during the season um of being like you know i want to i want to help this per or you know like i want to help her but then still having his you know old grudges against soup so he can't like accept the kid and you know and all of all of this other stuff but then by the end we see him kind of um we see him we see him kind of um not get over that but like kind of uh reconcile that just a little bit um i mean largely thanks to his wife but uh um yeah i don't i mean i i just love this character i mean <laughs> flawed <laughs> But, like, I mean, Carl Urban does such a wonderful job. And, like, who does not, like, if if there's somebody that does not love the slang that he uses, that this character uses throughout, like, the both seasons, like, I, I don't know what to fucking tell you. Because, like, it's the <laughs> best. 
Like the, that's lying. There's nothing better than that. Like it just, I mean, I have the, um, I have the captions turned on. Cause like, I, I'd never know what he's saying if I didn't <laughs> like, what did you just say? Uh, <laughs> well, there's one particular word that I definitely understand when he says it. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> but there's, well, that's the best part. Like at the end when he, you know, he's like, what did he's like, don't forget what I told you, Ryan. And it's like, don't be a cunt. It's like, yes. I mean, lessons that we should definitely teach all all kids, right? Yes, exactly. They might solve a lot yeah. of world problems in the next generation or two. Absolutely. <laughs> and going going off of what Jesse sh- said, Victoria Newman even kind of echoes that. She goes, "God, being called that word almost seems like a compliment uh, yeah. coming coming from you." Uh, <laughs> but yeah, J- Jesse hit it on the head so much. Um, you know, especially with him, like, I think he was definitely like the heart of the boys. Like he really, um, you know, was kind of like, even in the beginning of season two, they knew they needed him, even if they really didn't want him. He just has that presence. But then like the ramifications of him putting Becca's needs before his affected every other character where even Starlight's like if Billy Butcher can do the good thing. I can do the good thing. He was such a a driving force that he became the heart and soul. And I'm going to go out on a limb and kind of make a prediction that no one recording right now has watched the show Downton Abbey. Mm -mm. I've seen it. Oh, have you? Yeah. Okay. I've only watched a couple of episodes, though, so I'm not. Oh, okay. The, The fact that they got the very brash, blunt cook, Miss Patmore, to play his mom was some of the best casting <laughs> I ever saw in my life. And just like, at first I kind of thought that was just kind of a stupid thing. Like not, not stupid, but it definitely seemed a little more filler. Like, okay, now we get to meet, you know, we get to see where he came from, blah, blah, blah. But just the impact of him thinking about his brother weighed heavily on what he did for Becca, especially when she introduced Ryan to him as her husband that's kind of when everything really started Mm. i feel like for the dominoes to drop and just man dude carl urban has a charisma that's just like unrivaled like the guy and i feel bad because i know they made a short video bridging the gap from the end of season one to season two of just him that i have not been able to see yet it really wasn't that half of it was in one of the episodes so it was a little unnecessary i felt like there's one section where they kind of give like a backstory of him and another character that you've never seen before but like overall it was just a summary of what you already saw yeah it doesn't add a whole lot to the story it's just a little extra so Um, it's not as compelling as him saying the c word to school kids not really exactly last season (laughs) like last season in that one promo Uh, I mean, it, it was like what? Like, I don't think it was eight minutes, maybe. It wasn't very long. So, and I think it's on Amazon Prime. You can watch it there. But yeah, I, I feel like it was something they could easily have just had in the episode and it would have been fine. I think it was just more of a marketing thing. But that kind of brings up a lot of questions, too, I have about when he was dropped off after the whole Homelander revealing him to his family, right? So, how how much time do you think had passed between the end of season one and then that moment where he wakes up do you think he was 
there just like within like an hour or so? Like, do you think it was had been days? Like, how I don't. I'm curious if there was a lot of storytelling between that time. That like, was he with them for a little while? What do you enough, guys think? Enough time to make a real shitty unsolved mysteries reenactment, <laughs> uh, for sure. Because we got that, you know, we got that really wish.com version of Billy Butcher acting going on with the explosion of the house. But I would say, man, maybe maybe a day or two. I don't know if there's much interacting. Seems like maybe yeah. he just got put into like a fucking coma for a while by Homelander. I guess yeah. what I'm trying to figure out too is like, why didn't Homelander just kill him? Like, I, I get why he brought him there to kind of like parade that see what I took from you. But like, why didn't he just kill him after? Why did he keep him alive and just ditch him somewhere? Maybe leverage on Becca. Yeah, I assumed Becca told him something like, I'll let you like you can interact with Ryan if you let him go. Oh, wait, she says that on the bridge, doesn't she? Yeah, that's right. What does she say? That she like made a deal with Homelander that like if she would let Butcher go, that she would allow them to like interact. Mm. But like, but I don't, the, she doesn't really have much of a say in it. Yeah, it's just she thought she did at the time, I guess. She doesn't really yeah. have the power. I don't feel like because like, who's going to stop him? Vot isn't Actually, even concerned with him doing it. Like he's not supposed to be there, but they're not stopping him because they can't, right? Yeah, I just assumed that he that Homelander didn't think that like Butcher would be able to infiltrate the place where Becca was, especially since he like he left him, you know, in the parking lot of that whatever that restaurant. Oh. So like I don't know. I I feel like he just and like maybe in his own like you know twisted way was just like you know this is more torture for him to know that they're out there and that he can't do anything about it yeah Yeah. exactly i guess the assumption is that he doesn't know where they are because that was all vague he didn't think and the the point of knocking him out both there and back right so he has no clue where to find them Right. Yeah. I mean, he seemed to have found a way, but as far as Homelander is concerned, he had no way and he was not a threat in that sense. Yeah. Be- I, sorry. Uh, no, no. I was just going to confirm Becca exact quote was, I will kill myself in front of Ryan saying your father did this to me yeah. if you don't let him go. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Which does kind of reflect, too, that he does care to an extent about his son's, I guess, experiences and seeing something like that. Yeah, and also a little bit that he, uh, like, in support of, was it Paul who said it? He really wasn't ready for more than just being a weekend dad. Um, Like, he he knew he needed her to be, to allow him to interact with his son because he knew he was going to need her help to get through to him because he knew he was a fucking stranger, so. He needed her for daycare when he. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. To be around. Yeah, Yeah, because Ashley sucked. (laughs) (laughs) I think they did a good job. I feel like he wasn't there as much as the other characters. They definitely gave more attention to them in the boys group. But I think he was fundamental in progressing the story arc for for not just him, but Homelander, uh, obviously Becca and her son, which I'm curious if that's going to be a bigger role going into next season or if he's going to just kind of be in the background now, at least for now. It's like a Kill Bill 3 type of thing, right? Like... 
Yeah. You know, the daughter of the one that got killed that saw it. Is he gonna, is he gonna use this as some, like, is he gonna be, is he, like, it's almost like, are the boys gonna end up recruiting him with his pretty much own versions of Homelander to go against the boys? Or is Billy gonna honor Becca, you know, like Becca's last wishes? Mm-hmm. Which is crazy because, especially the fact, like, I legitimately was, I legitimately, thought that there was a chance that Billy could try to harm the kid after Becca died. Oh, yeah, for sure. You oh, saw, that yeah, definitely went to my mind. That that was definitely a concern. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he pro- I think he would have if Homelander not if Homelander didn't fly in. Like you could see it like he picks up the crowbar. His mm-hmm. eyes are like red. <laughs> yeah, he definitely had the eyes of rage. Yeah. yeah. And he's just like turning around, staring at this kid like. I, I don't think he thought about it at one second until Homelander, like, like the promise is what I'm talking about. Like, I don't think he thought about the promise for one second until Homelander was like, Ryan, did you do this? And then that flipped the switch of like, oh, shit, <laughs> like Homelander's mad. <laughs> like, I got to do something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And especially when the especially when Billy chose to go behind Butcher. You know, like when, when Homelander showed up, he legitimately chooses Butcher over Homelander. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one main question I have that that the only thing that kind of puzzled me is Maeve can't fly. We know she like we haven't seen she's super fast. How has she gotten around so fucking quickly in this last? <laughs> right, Uber. she just like hot an Uber <laughs> or or super. I don't know. <laughs> she just she just shows up at the farm to you know to give the real avengers woman beat down yeah to stormfront and then all of a sudden she's there behind homelander i guess the assumption is it wasn't that far of a distance yeah um, because they were on foot right so they couldn't yeah. have gotten too reasonably far right. given they were beat up from the carving throne ryan's well i guess he has power so he probably wouldn't have an issue but it just seemed like it was reasonable to assume that they didn't make it that far. And I'm I'm going to assume she, even if she's not able to run at a train speed, she's probably faster to an extent than a normal person. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. But at final, like where I was going with this whole thing, I think the, I think the big end game for this is Billy versus Homelander showdown in the future. Maybe not next season, but maybe that's their final like maybe that's where Kripke kind of sees this thing ending where like good Homelander versus bad Homelander. That's yeah. kind of a question I have with the series in general is, is this going to be a game of Thrones style where nobody is safe, but the, the series will continue. Or do you think there is, these are our main characters and when they're gone, it's over. Huh, especially with it only being the second season and we've only really like, our really main two new characters were Stormfront and Newman and not really any significant members to the boys to kind of carry on their mission. I kind of see this ending with at least Butcher's story or I mean, uh, uh, Huey's uh, story. Yeah. Uh, he, they've kind of portrayed as the main character, you know, the viewer seen through his perspective of getting into this world with the boys and, and fighting the, the soups and then they give you the implication that he wants out right at the end 
but obviously there's got to be something that draws him back in yeah. to work with the boys next season. I, there's no way he's just completely done. Yeah, I mean, it'll be going along with that. It'll be interesting to see, like, um, in that same regard, like what happens with um, MM, because, you know, before in season one, like, you know, his wife was like super pissed off that he got involved um with the boys again and so but and we see him like reunite with his family at the end so you almost wonder like okay if you know butcher is like yeah i'm gonna join this task force like are they you know is he gonna join too like or what i mean i you would assume so because you know he's a character in the show and it would be kind of weird if he just like disappeared but at the same time, you're like, okay, well, how are you going to resolve that? You know, or is it like, oh, my wife's going to be cool because it's like legit this time? <laughs> you know, I guess that they're considered like heroes in the end, right? I, they're they're cleared of all charges. I guess the public doesn't really know, but as far as the government, yeah, I guess they have a some form of a story way of clearing that mm-hmm. whole ordeal with his family. Yeah. I mean, it could be a, an easy fix of like, oh, she forgave him because she learned the truth. I don't know. But but that character specifically, it felt like they didn't, as far as I could see, they have not done a lot of backstory with that character other than him really caring about his family. And in the comic, there is a lot more to the character that is revealed. I don't think they've gotten anything close to tackling that. Uh, do you recall if they've done anything like that, Paul? Uh, No, and the only thing that even scratches a little bit of the surface is just that whole little road trip that they took to find out information about liberty where you just find out that he's ocd i mean Mm -hmm. and that's really nothing nothing compared to what we find in the comics yeah and that was like just like a nice little touch of kind of making him relatable to starlight right it gave them that road trip really gave them a way for that character to connect to everybody else in the boys rather than just seeing it as the crew that Huey's with. Yeah. And to know that he's not a chaperone on a date <laughs> for sure. Uh, no, that whole dynamic was fun. I think, um, I think they talked about that. Uh, the scene with the donuts in the, on the panel. Like, I think they had mentioned like how, like he ate so many donuts for that scene. Oh yeah. 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 They did. Because I was like, wait, this seems really for like when that scene happened in the show, I was like, this seems really familiar. Why? And then I was like, wait, I think they mentioned that in the panel, like just of how many donuts he ate like during, <laughs> during that scene or how many or she got like super sick of the donuts. It was like there was something to do with those donuts um, that both of those actors like talked about, which was really funny. Yeah, it was like some ongoing joke about offering donuts or something. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that character, they they definitely have material to to expand on because I feel like he was really more of a a character used to help progress other characters through through just their subtle conversations. Yeah, like to see more more of his character um, and backstory and stuff in the next in the next season. I really like his character a lot. I mean, he seems to be like one of the you know like like. I mean, they're all they are all they're all kind of like good guys in their own right. But I mean, just from like season one and like how he's, you know, working in like a, I guess, like correctional facility for kids, like, you know, like a juvie kind of place. And he just seemed like so genuine 
that like I just want to know more about him. Yeah, he's the one character in the crew, I think, that doesn't seem to have any backstory that involves questionable morals mm. outside of killing soups. <laughs> <laughs> outside of murdering a bunch of people. The, the, the exception. The exception, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, Frenchie, they, they gave a little bit more backstory to as well. And they had a nice little dialogue between Mother's Milk and, and Frenchie of that reveal of of the guilt that Frenchie has and he says if we just i don't remember the exact wording but basically it was if if we knew this information like we we wouldn't have been so hard on you like we wouldn't have blamed you for basically what what we've had this bitterness about you know involving the the children mallory's was it her children or grandchildren i i grandchildren feel like they changed it from the comics but yeah it was definitely an oh shit moment. <laughs> yeah, but then he follows it up with says with saying, "Who says I wanted to be let off the hook?" Because oh, he feels so terrible it. about it. Oh, so good. <laughs> <You're> just, <laughs> God, Frenchie, because you know, I mean, like, and then you know, later on in that same episode, you know, he goes to Kimiko and is like, you know, I was trying to save you to absolve like my own sins, but like, no, but I now realize that like. I, I'm the only one that can do that. Like nobody can do that for me. So like I'm sorry. And yeah. you kind of see it in like her face where she's like, she wants to say like like she wants to say something to him, but you know, obviously she can't. And so it's just like such a, you know, gut-wrenching scene, you know, for Frenchie, because you're just like, oh my God, you have the so you have the guilt of like those children being dead, but you also have the guilt of like your best friend being dead and not being able to speak. Like it's just such a such a moment um for him that you're just like and plus like then he had like the team was so upset and it goes back to you know the the for the episode where we're introduced to him and mm where like mm's like oh this fucker and you're like why is he so mad at him you know what i mean yes so like it goes all the way back to that first episode and you're just like like this whole time that's what it was about (laughs) Yeah, it was I was really glad to finally get some backstory on that because I kind of was like, Frenchie just kind of bothered me. I was like, oh, God, just get your stop moping, like get over yourself. Like, I don't know. I just I didn't really have a lot of patience for whatever was going on there. Uh But learning the backstory, I was like, okay, I guess I get it. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I understand now. (laughs) Yeah, Like I I was kind of the opposite where I just like loved I loved him. Like I just loved like his personality. And like, even though he was always involved in like some shady shit like it just seemed like he he was a good dude like at the core of it and um to be kind of like i don't know justified in that was just like okay cool (laughs) yeah (laughs) monster for like loving this guy (laughs) like (laughs) it was it was awesome because jess and i would message almost directly after these uh episodes and i know you <laughs> i'm sorry what was that i said i bugged the shit out of you oh no I, not at all not at all like, when i i watched that episode finally and i was like it's frenchie and you were like i know <laughs> yeah like i because i know how much she loves frenchie so when that episode aired and i knew i watched it before i'm like oh i cannot wait to hear <laughs> i cannot wait to hear her thoughts and now steve like one thing in in the comics uh frenchie definitely is a genius in the first season they don't hint at that a lot but i really loved hearing like just how like he's i feel like he's definitely the smartest 
in the boys when it comes to figuring out ways to physically overpower the soup. So we get some amazing dialogue from Mallory, like uh, when I forget, like, I don't know if he used Adderall on a, on a soup, you know, to get him to completely calm down. And that's how they took him out. Mm-hmm. But just like the, like we finally got to appreciate the pure genius and, and how he uh, used all those speakers to distract uh Homelander. And he, you know, we weren't able to see it, but he had a specific, type of weapon made just for Stormfront. So like he really does his homework on how to take on these people that you really are physically not able to, because in the comics, and this really isn't a spoiler anymore, but in the comics, the boy, the actual boys, they would go toe to toe with the superheroes because they would take a little bit of compound V themselves. And that's, Mm -hmm. I don't see that ever happening. Um, in the show so it's fun to use someone like Frenchie to know how to like at least even the playing field against these guys yeah yeah and that's in the comics it was something early on when i was reading i was like i it doesn't make sense like how are they going against these these soups and stuff and then like they kind of do that reveal of yeah that they're doing doses of this themselves on missions to compete with these soups and and it goes a little bit further in the complexities of, you know, their hatred of these guys, but also kind of being them at the same time. But oh. it, it gets interesting. Uh, his origin story is a bit different, too. Um, oh. Well, I guess I, you can't really say that because we don't really know where he was before being in America. But it seems like they kind of changed up his motivations as to how he's a part of the boys from where he was in the comic. Um you know, they 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 brought in these two characters that he was kind of was his crew. And, and that's kind of tied into his fuck up that that cost the issue with the, the children that that were were killed. So I think they did a good job with that character kind of giving you backstory, but also in a way that that progresses the current story as well. Yeah, I, I, I totally see that because because in the comics, he definitely comes off a little bit older like he's always given me kind of like a more psychotic Dr. Emmett Brown type of feel in the comics that just speaks French. Mm-hmm. So in this, they definitely make him a little more younger and hipper and a little more like he definitely has like a <laughs> charm. You know, yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got the charm. But but he also has, you know, like a like sometimes the show has kind of showed it as a pretty severe drug addiction, too. Mm hmm. Oh yeah, especially in the first season when you first meet him, doesn't he he like when he's doing like his chemical engineering shit, he like takes some sort of like acid or something, right? Yeah, he even <laughs> offers it to Huey. Yeah, he's Huey's like, oh, like I no. Work. <laughs> <laughs> Which like I loved I loved what, you know, when you said that Paul about the uh, you know, going back to like the the chemical engineering part cuz that's like part of like what I like about him is he's just, he's so like, um, he has so much ingenuity of, you know, trying to find these different ways of stopping the these soups. And like in the beginning of um, season two, you don't see as much of that because they're in hiding. So, you know, he can't really, like, there's not really a reason, like they can't go out and like directly fight the soups. They kind of have to like go behind the scenes. So you can't really, you know, use him you know use Frenchie as much as they maybe should or could 
Um, but in that, you know, in that episode, like you, you really get to highlight, especially when they're like, they're stuck with, um, Lamplighter in that, in the hospital room. And like, he's, he's like grabbing all the stuff from the cabinets and MM's like, uh, it's not time to shop, dude. (laughs) He's like, well, we can use this and this and this and this. And he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) But I (laughs) like that some of his shit doesn't work like at all like Cindy just like crushed the thing that was supposed to make her go to sleep and he's like well like I was a guess it was supposed to work yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) you know that's uh, you you totally brought me back I I I hate to do a quick backtrack but I just love the imagery of them being in that basement of the pawn shop they're taking bullets out of people and then all of a sudden you just got mother's milk working on a dollhouse in the middle of this fucked up <laughs> operation. He's just working on a dollhouse. No questions asked. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Cause it's like what a, they didn't have anything else that they could do at the moment. You know, they're just like trying to lay low and not, not get caught. So he's like, I'm going to do this for my daughter. You know, what that reminded me of, it reminded me of um, what's his face from the wire. The, um, the guy that did, he did the same thing. Um, I always called him Lester Cornfield, but that's not his name was Lester, but I can't remember what his last name was. Um, but he was one of the, like the de- was he the detective of like the or he worked at the in the file room or something. But he was always like he was always like carving like little furniture. <laughs> that's like what that reminded me of. If you ever watch The Wire. <laughs> I'm sorry to go on just a rabbit hole of rabbit holes here. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> that's what I do. That's a great detail, though, that I completely yeah. about until you said that. And I was like, yes. One thing I think, uh, if you notice in the comic, Paul, uh, they call Frenchie in France Frenchie. Yeah, <laughs> which I think is the most ridiculous thing. So I don't know if that was like an intentional joke in the comic, but it just make, made no sense to me that that's that really- was a thing. <laughs> um. Steven, while we're on this quick rabbit hole, do you think we're ever going to see that sex convention that the superheroes have in the comic books? Oh, God. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we we kind of got just a little glimpse of it in the terms when uh, Butcher takes Huey to that one like brothel type of place where we see Ezekiel... Oh my god! Yeah, you know, and the little guy streaking down and jumping into a girl. Uh, I think that might be the only the only glimpse of that whole arc we're gonna get. I don't think we will because that means they would have to have a lot of soups. Yeah, in the scenes in order to explain that, and then that means that opens up a whole bunch of questions of like all of these other characters, because right now. The big drawback difference between the show and the comic is the show seems to be very focused on the seven are basically the only soups out there in the public, as far as I can tell. Whereas the comic is like there are groups of soups all over the place and they're all basically competing with each other to be the top group. You know, the seven is the the top of the top and the idea is to work your way through the the soup food chain and get into the seven right that's that's the whole idea in the comic i guess they kind of gave a glimpse of that and the whole idea that starlight existed and was recruited into the seven in the first season 
But overall, there's not really a, a grasp of all of these soups being out in the open like they are in the comic. Yeah, yeah. It was just a thought I had. That, that would be def- great to see, though. I mean, it's it's an easy way for them to like one up everything they do <laughs> in yeah. the show, right? If they really want that shock moment. It is intense in the comic. It is, <laughs> it is quite the sight. In fact, I think that's where we first got a glimpse of Stormfront in the comic was at that convention. Yes, yes. And yeah, I was going to say and Soldier Boy, but I don't think that was it. Which we're getting in season three. So we are. Jensen Eccles. Very uh, excited it for It is very possible that maybe they are going to go into some kind of backstory with at least references to those events or something like that maybe there'll be some kind of a a comment from him between him and, and homelander or something uh, alluding to some activity that may have happened between them oh that'd be that would be awesome because <laughs> that's something that they haven't really dove into with homelander right it, well i guess you could say with himself but uh there are glimpses of he's bisexual right oh yeah so so far they've just kind of made him a womanizer but he does swing both ways in the comics so it is possible well that they could go that direction at some point well i think it's also implied too because from what we know of presented in the show is doppelganger is totally a dude that's true that's true in a sense he is yeah you're right you know so like he can definitely Change his appearance, but the core, I, I believe, at least from what we've seen, is that he is a male. So, I mean, the Homelander definitely had no, no qualms about doing the stuff he did with, um, he did with Doppelganger. So, yeah, I think it could definitely come to light, uh, and that could be another shot to Homelander's you know, credibility or the way the, you know, the public sees him too. So Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do there. And I love how in the comic with that whole orgy conference that they do with the soups is the whole idea is they tell the public they're going off to fight some huge epic supervillain battle in space or something like that. And then they just go and just get drunk high and just and fuck the fuck shit out of each other <laughs> for like a week. Like it's... that's the whole premise. And then comic books within the the comic are depicted of these heroes and villains, but they obviously lie and make up these stories. But it's based off the ones who do exist in this world. Yeah, it's it, it's a wild storyline. So anyone should really check out the Garth Ennis comic book run which they just kind of i don't want to say rebooted but they they have brought back i know uh like a i think they restarted uh they restarted a couple months ago a number one issue oh did they came out yeah like 10 years after the last one came out i think that came out a couple months ago i could be wrong but yeah they they kind of restarted they're kind of capitalizing on on it. I have not read it, so I don't know if it's more truer, like if it's more of a continuation of the comics, or if it's kind of starting to to make some pieces of the show into it. So I I cannot tell you on that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I, and we do know that the as far as Amazon is concerned, they're trying to make a new spinoff show based around soups or soon to be soups uh, in like a college setting, right? Like a frat boy college environment yeah that to me 
sounds like they are going the route of the the the, the Huey storyline where he infiltrates is it the G Force? Yes. It's like a group of younger yeah. soups that are like basically in training to become soups at some point. They're basically in college and they just party and shit all the time. Uh so I will not be shocked if they kind of introduce that aspect into this spin-off show and and bring in this bigger, broader concept of there are groups of soups outside of the seven. We just haven't really gotten that kind of reflection in the show yet. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it is called uh The Boys Dear Becky, and I think issue two drops next week. Okay, that explains a lot. Because I was yes. <laughs> when I was reading the comics, I was I, I'm not quite done. I think I have one more volume or something or two more volumes left. But that that was one. But it said it, it it was not there was no record of it yet. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Like on the list of like, the order of which to read things and all that stuff. I was on some site looking at it and it, it acted like it didn't really exist. But I was confused because I didn't know that they were even doing new stories for this. Yeah. Mm. And. And from what I'm reading, it is going to have nothing to do with the TV show. It's going to be a complete continuation seven years after the after the final panel of his original run. Oh, cool. Okay, so it's presumably going to have a bunch of new characters taking the role, and then maybe they'll just have others that pop in and out? Well, it's going to focus on Starlight and Huey. Is okay. What it's, uh, yeah. So Hopefully gonna... it's them living the farm life with kids. Coming soon to the okay. CW. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, uh, all right. Um, does anyone else? Does anyone else have a feeling that uh, Stillwell's son could be Homelander's? Oh, the yes. baby. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Just wanted to, you know, <laughs> your CW show brought that. Just uh, exactly. Sparked <laughs> it out of me. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely because that's something that's really never been kind of hinted at, but it definitely makes sense that that could very well be because now we know he's able to have kids. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see her like doing like an artificial, you know, semination thing and using like using his sperm. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally see that. Like, it's totally something that she would do. And, like, he, I don't think he has any clue um, because he was so, like, jealous of that baby. <laughs> yeah. You know? That, like, hey. I don't think he had any idea if that if that is actually the case. He benefits. He had all that endless breast milk that he was able to drink. <laughs> it was a mutual agreement. <laughs> it was, but still. Uh, but that is a very good question uh, that I had, too, as far as that baby, which is alive from what we understand. Right. They, they kind of I think they referenced that uh, he was not harmed in the explosion at the end of season one. Yeah, he was found like 17 miles away. So that is a good question that I that I want to know is if is that going to be a second son that Homelander? Has? Well, I guess it would be a no, it'd be second. Yeah. Second son that Homelander has. And he obviously doesn't know if that's the case, right? Because he clearly had no love for the kid. Yeah. He fucking hated that kid. <laughs> and also, uh, I guess you could argue, too, does he have even more out there that he doesn't know about? Could they just have used his DNA to make... Because there was that scene in the first season <laughs> where they find a baby in an incubator He's... and they use it for, like, a weapon with, like, laser eyes, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Amazing. So, I forgot about that. 
that does that imply that that could be at the very least based off his powers or his DNA to have create that child? That's a good point. Or or he and or next season they're like, dude, you need to get to this place, and you, you know? see Stumpy Stormfront, but uh. she's got a baby <laughs> bump. <laughs> you. <Ew. laughs> I wonder if they're like if they were like trying to engineer those babies to have like specific powers, you know, like to be like, okay, these are the baby, these are the laser eye babies. <laughs> well, that's the big question with the, the compound B, right? <laughs> you know, what, what exactly does it do? Does it just give you random powers or is it very specific to your DNA? Like, do they know who they're giving it to and what it's going to do to them before? Or is it just going to be, Let's just see what happens. And if they're evolutionarily going to benefit to this, then we'll use them. If not, then we'll try and discard them. I, I I feel like there's a lot of questions as far as what Compound V does. You know, yeah. we obviously are at the point where they were testing in the, the mental hospital on, on using on adults rather than on newborn babies, right? Mm-hmm. So is it going to bring a new batch of or a different evolution to people that haven't? been on this since they were a child you know as an adult getting this or is it going to be one in the same it could there be different variations of compound v are we going to see maybe they do a compound z you know (laughs) and especially like i mean they've been doing this for more than 80 years now so it almost seems like they would have the money and finance and research to maybe be able to like do some gene splicing and be like yes you know, especially if especially if it was going to come out to the public, and I know that got shelved a little bit, but the fact that you could pay five million, like I think they're charging five million dollars a dose, mm-hmm. that it almost seems like it would be a very designer type of drug, mm-hmm. where you could be like, yeah, dude, give me the invisibility, you know, I'll take yeah. three of those. Yeah. yeah, they're definitely into the pharmaceutical implications of V in the public you know they, they said that the president declared state of emergency or whatever in, in the end of the season and and they're going to give it to military they're going to give it to the police force and uh that kind of drives into you know modern society on you know the whole defunding police and and mili- military nations and stuff right so uh, i would not be shocked if they they really dive into that aspect into season three are they are they still doing that though? I thought they I thought there was a throwaway line at the press conference where they said we're not we're we're stopping all plans on, on Oh yeah. Oh, was that a line? At okay. the very end um it's 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 hard it's easy to miss because there were so many things they said during that area. But well, yeah. Thank thank you for defending my ignorance. Yeah. I appreciate oh, it. Stop. <laughs> um and and Steve, I just want to do a quick uh just you know you bring up the defunding the police. I think it's so crazy that the three shows this year that have really tackled almost the exact thing that's happening in our society were all superhero shows this year. Uh-huh. And and that was Watchmen, Umbrella Academy, and now The Boys. Yeah. And and the fact that all of this came out before the massive protests after Memorial Day is just it's insane that 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 how the superhero shows are almost the most grounded in our current reality. Mm-hmm. It's just fucking mind blowing. 
Yeah, it is crazy because these, you know, obviously are filmed and, and designed long before current events when, when that are happening when they air. So the thought that they did these storylines and they work so well with current time is just it's crazy. Yeah. And to think of how far ahead they the people in charge of the show had to think. Like, ha- I mean, some of the stuff was like literally so timely that it was uh, upsetting. Like, how how did they possibly know? <laughs> so weird well yeah and especially like i mean come on with the social media and just using memes and gifts to like really Mm -hmm. promote and kind of like like kind of mask the real underlying like systematic racism too Mm -hmm. is just fucking mind-blowing especially in the you know with the big uh, you know elections that we're having everything just made sense you're like holy shit yeah. You know, I, I go to these comic book shows for an escape and I feel like I'm actually learning more about our <laughs> about our processes. Yeah, it's definitely nice to see that you can take something so fictional and put such a grounded, realistic take for people to not just enjoy, but also relate to and, and, and grasp in a, in a modern sense. Oh, yeah, I think, the I, you know. At first, I was trying to think, like, was there a scene in season two that was as powerful as the airplane scene? In se- or maybe not powerful, but as jarring. And I don't think it's on the same level, but one scene that really sticks out to me that I thought was shot just beautifully and really captured on kind of like the fear mongering that's happening is you just get that one guy that keeps waking up every day. And he's turning on like, you know, um, kind of an echo chamber type of show. And it just man like you you just know it's taking place over like maybe months and it's just manifesting. And it just turns to him killing a gas like a a, a convenience store clerk for Mm -hmm. just looking different. Like I thought that was a very well done, powerful scene worked in the show. I felt like was it he was convinced he was a soup right that was the whole idea he was convinced he was a super terrorist or whatever yeah because like a light shined in his eye that just happened Mm. to be a glare of like a flashlight or something but he kept listening every morning and he kept seeing stormfront memes that like we don't know if this person is good or bad and that just manifested in the worst possible way and then you kind of saw it like he legitimately believed he was helping which is scary Mm -hmm. as fuck Mm-hmm. It it kind of reminded me of a documentary we watched on Netflix that was about social media and I'm how teacher, it's, right? it's all designed to basically kind of said echo chamber where you're going to get fed feeds that are related to shit they think you're into. Mm-hmm. And so eventually you're only going to see the side that you believe and then you're going to just keep getting into that belief yeah, rather than seeing perspectives from from other people. And so it it, it kind of reminded me of that aspect, like you said, where, where he, this guy is just clearly day after day getting convinced that that he he is right and that that what he's doing is for the good, no matter how insane it is when we finally see what he does. Yeah. And the scary part is he's able to like he's able to rationalize it like to him that he is doing the absolute right thing. And that's mm-hmm. we're seeing so much of that where you're just getting it from one source and 
sometimes you just can't help but like be like, well, he did think it, it was wrong, but to him it was he was doing what was asked of him, like he was being America's protector. And this was just like a random, insignificant character that was just in an intro for one of the episodes, and they were able to depict something so important in somebody that you've never seen and will never see after this. Yeah, and then like I think that even becomes a focal point at one of their rallies where she's like, you know, our thoughts are with the family of the guy that was killed, but make no mm-hmm. mistake, like the threat is still out there. So they're in a way justifying what he did. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking scary, man. Sure is. Yeah, this show definitely tackles a lot of topics that I not only do they do it, but they, they do it so well that it might make this show a standard for me as far as comparing to other shows in the future who try and tackle this stuff. Oh, yeah. Which is why I think it needs to be categorized as a drama. It's got funny stuff, but man, does it really get to the heart of shit? Mm -hmm. Well, when you when you asked that question, I was I thought about it. I was like, I don't think I ever really considered it a comedy. Like, yeah, it makes me laugh, but I in my head, I never really translated this as a comedy. It just the dialogue is so well written (laughs) as a drama with you know comedic elements it's almost its own genre really like it Mm -hmm. just it's like an action adventure fucking thriller drama comedy it's crazy yeah i always thought of it as a dark comedy myself so i don't know what that says about me but (laughs) 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 i'll just leave it at that (laughs) so uh, going forward where do you guys think they are going do you think they've built subplots or do you want to see anything going into season three that you feel hasn't been tackled yet i want to see i i want to see i want to see some flashbacks i want to see the beginning days of the seven Mm -hmm. um i think we're ripe to kind of you know we're kind of in a transition moment i think they would do a great job of kind of having something new happen that bridges back to the beginning days of Vought, especially the seven. I think we're, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of Stan Eggers van like vendetta, like against the boys. But I do think we're going to get, I think we're really going to dive deep into like the, you know, the whole mythos of the seven. And maybe we might even see how the original seven worked as bad and maybe we'll see how greed and society and like their inability to empathize with the regular person really kind of made them feel like on an island of their own mm-hmm. so you're looking for the like original seven not not this group in the early days no i want to see the original seven okay mm, well maybe they'll um Maybe they'll kind of tie that in with um, Victoria Newman's like story. Maybe that relates somehow. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want her to be um, actually a natural born soup. I that, feel like that would make it more fun. Her situation. Yeah, I. You know what? I'm not sure. Uh, like, I I would love that too. Um, the only thing that makes me think that maybe it's not is the you know the cloudiness of her eyes like we had we had talked about before Mm -hmm. um finally figure that out like i don't know if it's it's hard to say if it's like another chemical or if that's just like what naturally maybe that's a maybe that's a way that you tell 
if it's natural um, or not. Um, but I do think that would be, that would be pretty cool. Um, that could set up kind of like almost like a resentment of them, you know, from her, like towards them of like, you guys aren't naturally born, born this way. Like you right. engineered it. So I think, I think that's a cool angle. Oh that's shit. Like, what? Okay. You, you totally sparked something. The, the girl that escaped to the golden girls music. What was her power? She was kind of exploding people too, right? She was imploding people. <laughs> yeah. At first, Could really, they be she sisters? The same power, but it, mm. it seemed like she has telekinesis powers and she has the ability to like just basically crush or do anything she wants with any item she... Seems like from what... Interesting concept. Yeah, yeah, from what she used it, it was crushing from the inside. But it could be, you know, however she wanted to... Like, that's just how she wanted to portray it you that know? could have been their intro like for all we know she has way more powers that we'll we'll see if they continue that character which they i could be a, will you know they could be a fucked up version of the wonder twins yeah <laughs> that's so true like um, that, if they were related you, you did bring up a good point though about whether it's natural or whatever with her having these powers to blow people's heads off what if she's just taking doses of comp V when she needs to do what she wants to do? Like maybe she's not a soup by nature and maybe, maybe she's just dragging herself up in the time of need to achieve these goals. Is that yeah. how it works? I don't really understand the science of how this compound V. Well, that's what I'm saying. To work, that they've kind of implied now with the whole give the police and military this stuff that all that testing at the mental hospital has created a new form. I think Stormfront even talks about it with Homelander that they can now give it to adults before it was only something they could achieve through babies, essentially, and, and, and right. developing life with the powers. Now they can just give anybody well, the powers. And, and we kind of found that out in the first season because like. When you find out that A-Train has been giving doses out, Homelander even says, like, you know, we gave it to adults and they were a lot more unpredictable than the baby tests. Mm -hmm. He says that to Stillwell. So, yeah, it's definitely. And it could be a play because, you know, how Kripke does take he takes fundamentals of the comic and he runs with it. But some of the bases are still there. So that would almost be her taking dosages would kind of fall into what we were talking about before of how the boys in the comic would take it as needed to fight certain superheroes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I totally see that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they, they go about the access of this drug going into season three and how it can have implications with society. Oh yeah. Obviously it would be an easy way to like spark new villains, right. Or heroes. Like it, it it's the easy fix of why is there nobody else? Now you can have a bunch of them if you need to. Yeah, and then, you know, it could, it could be a spinoff. You know, they could do a crossover with that fucking Joseph Gordon-Levite movie, too, then. That's a Pro bad Project joke. Project Power? Yeah, that, that's a bad <laughs> joke. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was trying to think what the movie was. <laughs> we have not watched that yet. No, but I would love to see them go back to, to, you know, to Nazi Germany where they're kind of making this for the first time. Like, that would be fun to see. Yeah, and that would be yeah. a really fun historical tie-in, you know, to, to really ground the series even more. Not that they haven't done a good job yet, but, you know, who doesn't like to, to go back to World War II in movies and shows and stuff? Like, it's, it's always one of those times of history that, that people are drawn to. 
right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously enough that they were like, let's let's get a Nazi in here, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bring in the Nazis. Jesus. Well, I was just thinking, we talked about almost everybody. Did I miss it? Or did you guys talk about Huey while I was gone? You didn't. Uh, no, we talked was... about Louie and Dewey, though. They were. <laughs> You're fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> they were subpar. I think Huey was the, the one that shined the most. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like it so much more if instead of Billy Joel, he was just addicted to Huey Lewis and the news. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Honestly, that that whole backstory, it didn't really do it for me. I I feel like I get where they were going, but like it just, it felt like it wasn't needed. Oh, but we're gonna meet Mom in season three. You think so? Oh yeah. Okay. Something's gotta happen. That's true. I guess there's no point in doing it unless you're gonna progress it to mean something next season. Uh, but I just felt like, I guess if they don't do that, there was no point to it because we already got robin right like we already know his trauma and why he's here so i i don't know why we needed to know his issues with with being close to people like he obviously didn't have them the first season well i think it was just probably to expand on why he is the way he is even after the whole robin incident like maybe something has changed and kind of snapped in him and i think that this was supposed to explain why he took it so poorly although you really shouldn't have to explain why that would be taken poorly so i I don't know (laughs) but i mean like the whole i mean it's really easy to see why starlight would ask him that though i mean like you know she like just the shit that like went down with them it's like she like it's really natural for her to be like i don't know why you stick around me like (laughs) like why like why do you do this and like you know it's the same thing with like butcher and everything where like he like huey keeps coming back even though these people are like super mean and like push him away and like get him into danger and almost get him killed and you know all of these different things and it's like you have no ties to any of these people like why would you do that and it's not it's not necessarily that I needed that answer, but you can see why she would ask him that. Like, it's a, a natural question for her to be like, why the fuck? Because she thought his mother was dead. <laughs> he was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I shouldn't talk about my mom when your mom. And he's like, uh, she's not dead. <laughs> like, Quick to assume. Yeah. yeah. I could see why you would To think. be honest, I thought she was too. So yeah, I was glad that I, it came I out. Was, I <laughs> So, like, I mean, it's not something that you needed, but you could still, like, for me, at least, it wasn't, like, out of place. Like, I'm like, yeah, okay, like, I would ask the same thing. Like, if I went through the same shit, I'd be like, I don't know why you still like me. <laughs> I I guess in a sense, too, it, it's a, a way to parallel him and Butcher. It's kind of like Starlight being on the path of, with Bot being, you know, potential to become corrupt at some point or, or, you know, lose her, her compass. I guess it, it's kind of a way for Huey to, to have that direction that he could be like butcher if he wants, or he can open up to these people like starlight, for example, and, and, and take a different path. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it'd be, would it, I would not be surprised if just one time we find out on that, uh, Inside the boys after show that Kripke just says, you know, one night our music supervisor got really fucking drunk, bought mm-hmm. all the rights to the Billy Joel library, and we had to come up <laughs> with a last minute fucking story about his mom 
to be able to play all these Billy Joel songs to make sense to the audience. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a little <laughs> bit more budget left over. We, we wanted to spend it on some music. <laughs> yeah, just f- fucking Jimmy got drunk and bought uh, the entire Billy Joel library uh, rights, and now we're fucked. So uh, that's a good point. Did you guys? So you guys watch the uh, after show content? Oh yeah. I actually did not. I completely forgot about it. Uh, <laughs> I haven't yet, so I. Probably soon. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I was doing a season one rewatch and then I got done with season uh, episode eight of season one and it just started playing and I knew they were talking to Kripke and I get up and I go to the bathroom or get food or whatever. I come back and they got this guy with thick glasses on just like pitch black hair and Australian accent. And I'm like, oh, this must be like the fucking sound designer or something. And all of a sudden, Aisha Taylor goes, so is playing Homelander your hardest role? And it was fucking Anthony Starr. <laughs> I couldn't even fucking recognize the guy. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, but, he's a complete different personality, too. I mean, obviously, he's acting in this. But, like, when your only context of the guy is season one, when we were at C2E2 and on that panel, he's, like, the most charismatic fun loving entertaining humorous person that you could ever find and like he just was such a a polar opposite to what he is on the show and it was just so crazy to like see him in oh. i guess in the wild uh, well, just as a person yeah and like i didn't even until like season four episode four of season one i did an imdb thing because i'm like god dude why haven't i seen this homelander guy in anything and all of a sudden I realized he was in one of my favorite shows called Banshee, where he was the lead role. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, he brought guy. that up a couple of times at the panel. Yeah, that show is fucking making, awesome. Yeah, he was making fun of it, actually, because he was just like, oh, that's like the one fan who's watched Banshee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was really funny at the at the panel. Like, I, I he even, like, um, like when when we were cheering about something, he even, like, mentioned um like the election like this year he was just like yeah you fucking like your president or something like i don't i don't remember what he said exactly but like he definitely like threw some shade about that which i thought was hilarious yeah and and that the whole chemistry with with him and everybody on stage like you could tell they really enjoy this show and what they do and and so i think that kind of translate to the show like you can see that they all sincerely enjoy working together it's oh, not yeah. just a job. That's why you need to watch that after show because just sometimes that after show gets more fucking raunchy than the actual show. Like Kripke actually explains to you because like a big panel or, or portion of it was if Deep actually fucks dolphins. <laughs> and the, the, the real hard hitting questions. Well, and then Kripke <laughs> drops this knowledge. He goes, you know, I was actually doing research and if it was so crazy. Everyone's mouths were on the ground. He's just like, and I found out that if, if a dolphin climaxed into a human, the human's organs would just automatically be like dissolved and everyone's laughing. He's like, that's fucking true. You're like, Oh my God, you really <laughs> did terrifying. research on this. Jesus yeah, Christ. Crazy. Yeah. That's pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you definitely need to check it out, man. Oof. Maybe I'll- Tonight. Yeah, and I mean, I've always loved Aisha Tyler from fucking Archer, and she yeah, is such she, a good, yeah, she's a great host. Yeah, she's done uh, some E3 panels and stuff, and and been the host of 
some gaming convention stuff that was broadcast. So uh, I the reason I hadn't seen it yet is because they they dropped the first three episodes all at once. And in my head, I'm not going to sit between episodes to watch this. I'm going to want to go straight to the next episode. So I did that. And then because of that, I just kind of forgot about that aspect. And then I just never went back to it. Yeah, for me, it just automatically played like not 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 after the first three, but like after each week, if I didn't hit like a button, it just automatically played it. Mm. So I was like, oh, I'll stay here. I want to go check those out. Yeah, I mean, it's that's for at least eight hours of more content until season three. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and they get like a good mix of everybody to come up like they've had every actor from uh you know, Stan Edgar to, to Homelander to Ashley. Ashley's episode was the most interesting. And uh, what's really cool is she was announced as a series regular for season three now. Oh, cool. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, in the show, she's, she's basically been promoted, right? She's now she's... Before she was more just like an intern, it felt like. Some kind of assistant type character yeah. who had to get coffee for everybody. Now she's got some kind of authority. You wouldn't really guess it with the interactions with Homelander, but she's supposed to be some kind of authoritarian figure within Vought. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that character. Do you do you think Edgar is going to play his cards to Homelander that he doesn't know where Ryan is? Or do you think he's going to put up a show like, you know, I got your son. You fucking do this. Oh, I think I, so. I think it would be in the background. And then played when he when like it absolutely wait a minute yeah, can't be hidden any longer. No, but he but based on what happened, like Homelander, well, he shouldn't believe that because he sees Ryan go off with Butcher. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. Definitely shouldn't believe anything that Edgar says about his son. Yeah. I hope he tries to though. Yeah, and he's like, wait, you, you might not know. <laughs> like Homelander, kind of what he did with like Stillwell, like kind of knew, like knows he's lying, but just doesn't say anything. Mm -hmm. No one holds that to the chest. Like I could see that happening. I could see that character doing that though, where he doesn't even have the kid, mm -hmm. but he's gonna say he does if oh, it comes mm -hmm. to needing to control Homelander in whatever capacity. Right. Yeah, because he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Like he knows that Butcher. Like th that the kid was with Butcher, but for all he knows, Stan could say, I made a deal with Butcher to do this. So we, you know, like he could totally try to BS his way because Edgar is going to have to play some kind of card to keep his ass in check. Well, he could go the opposite route, too. He can he can try to play the sympathy card with Homelander and say, we're, we're going to help you get your son back to get what he needs out of Homelander. My yeah, big. My big question is if Homelander is going to go insane off the rails in season three or if he's going to still be kind of what he's been the last two seasons is unpredictable, <laughs> but not like a villain as far as the public is aware. That is so funny you say that because there was an article where someone described uh, Homelander's arc for next season as a complete unhinged psychopath. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I could see that because just like from the the last like couple scenes, especially the press conference where it just keeps zooming into his eyes, but like the the like the noise of his words are just being drowned out slowly, just suggests that like you know obviously the things that he's saying to the crowd, like 
He doesn't believe at all. So I, oh, I just think that there's some serious like rage that's building there that he can't let out and it's gonna, but it has to at some point and it will, and it's not going to be pretty when it does. So it's more of a question of like, in my, in my own opinion, it's more of a question of like, is he going to just explode one day and that's, <laughs> that's what's going to happen? Or is well, he methodically going to try to get, you know, gain his, like, you know, take over Vaught in his own head or whatever? Like, is it, is he going to try to do that slowly or is it just going to like, is he going to snap? Like which one? <laughs> well, presumably he exploded in that scene. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Oh my god, I hope to god I hope to god nobody was walking in that spot underneath that death skyscraper. That's my calm, just like gravity taking over. Or are you just or are you just like oh are you just like oh god, like a bird just dumped on me? Like how do you fucking react to that? <sighs> Fuck. Ew. And that was an interesting scene too, because uh, <laughs> if I'm correct, I think it was in season one. You sh- I think they kind of introduced the character just peeing off of that very spot right or am i just dreaming that happened there was a thing with that um oh crap what did it maybe it was on the x and when you look on the x-ray thing and there's trivia i feel like there was something about that that scene at the end where like it was supposed to be in season one but there was some reason why it wasn't so maybe that's what they did instead was the urinating (laughs) I don't. I can't remember. Right. I know I read it or heard it somewhere, but I, I don't remember what it was. I just recall there was a, a moment where he was peeing off that very spot, and then now they're showing him do this, which kind of character development. Them, bring, yeah, character development. Uh, <laughs> Growth to like the next level of, like you said, potentially being unhinged. What's he gonna do in season three? Just take a shit from that spot? <laughs> He's gonna, like, throw <laughs> shit at people. <laughs> Fucking sick. But I think. They've set up a lot of things. Uh, I'm curious if the church is going to continue or if that's just it was a season two sub thing and now it's just dead. But there is a lot they could potentially do with that. The deep takes it over. Hey, maybe. Maybe that's where they're going with him. Maybe he finds a way to to get into power there now that the leader is dead. Yeah, the guy from ER. Yeah, there's so much that could happen. Jesus. Yeah, you know, so between that, uh, the congresswoman and, and... whatever she's got planned it, the aftermath with well, another interesting thing is going to be the dynamic of the seven, because now we have everybody essentially reset back into everybody's happy again and everything's normal, but there's going to be that internal struggle with Homelander, Queen Maeve, Starlight, you know, a train's probably going to have resentment as far as being kicked out initially. And now he's back, but he's always going to have that like bitterness, I guess I would think. I just I feel like there's there's got to be some kind of character dynamics within season three that's going to clearly boil over from the events of season two. Yeah. Do you think word's going to get out that uh, a train was the one that gave the information to Starlight? That's a good question. Um, I don't think it will, though, because, well, OK, it's technically the only person who should know that would be the deep. So I guess it could. And he doesn't know. That's he true. just he... could sus- be suspicious of because he was there whenever um, what's his butt like accused a train of it, like in the room. But maybe he'll try to use that as a bargaining chip. I don't know. Yeah, especially like if Deep knows that Homelander wants retribution for what happened to Stormfront. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a good question. I think 
I yeah, think the deep like, would use that, knowing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but knowing deep, he's going to fuck it up, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he would go to Homelander with the information to get back in and in the process either get himself killed and A-Train or just A-Train. And then, <laughs> obviously, consequences from that will grow. I feel like Deep is going to die by Starlight's hand at some point in this series. Be okay with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's perfectly fine by me. <laughs> or just, just a bunch of dolphins pull him under the, the ocean and just rape him to death. <laughs> they ejaculate and dissolve his organs. He does like <laughs> his eyes just dissolve from the inside. He, he does like a mock free willy, but the orca just lands on him. <laughs> just splat. Those were dolphins, right? In the, the opening boat chase. Yeah. I couldn't figure out if they were supposed to be dolphins or sharks because I was like, why is he using dolphins? Wouldn't you want something more powerful? I don't think a shark can swim that fast at the speed they were going. Yeah. Hey, dolphins are like nasty though. Or can be nasty. Yeah, dolphins can fuck up fuck you up. Yeah, yeah they'll, go experience. After, they'll go after no. <laughs> Have you seen the movie Desperados? <laughs> fuck yeah, they'll fuck you up. <laughs> they'll go after um orcas and whatnot. Will they? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I know orcas go after great whites, but I didn't yeah. know that, that was a thing with dolphins. Yeah, there's like videos of like um pods of dolphins like basically going after orcas. In theory, one of them was like potentially protecting a person. I don't know if that's real, but there was a person involved. <laughs> yeah, and if you've seen that Simpsons Halloween episode where the dolphins <laughs> take over, it's oh fucking God. brutal, man. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting fact about the Simpsons Halloween episodes. We learned season one did not have a treehouse or yeah, treehouse of terror, right? That's what they called. Treehouse of horror, I think. Yeah. Or uh, they started in season two. Yeah. Yeah, because season one was just a couple episodes, right, on the Tracy Allman show? Um, no, season one was like they had, um, the, like, the animation was a little different. Like, they, I don't think they had a lot of episodes, um, but season one was its own thing. It wasn't, um, like, the Tracy Allman oh. episodes were different from season one. Oh, shit, I forgot you've been doing a rewatch. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. You doing a podcast on it or just rewatching them? Uh, just rewatching them. I got to like, I think I got somewhere around like season 10 or season 11 before I like kind of slowed down on that. That's um, fun. Those were fun chats. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, those, those first like 10 or 11, it's like pr basically like up until like Phil Hartman was murdered that like it started to go downhill for me, like the oh, show. No. But, uh, Anyway, <laughs> that's, that's a digression. Was he murdered? Yeah, his wife. I thought he had a heart attack. No, oh, he got shot wife. in his bed. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess I'll just take this rock <laughs> off of my body right now. <laughs> I'm yeah, so sorry, was... but yeah, it was like, it's like the sat one of the saddest like celebrity deaths. Yeah, I, I probably knew about it in the time, and it's just it's forgot over the years. I I, I feel like that's not something I could have not heard about. <laughs> <laughs> I was in, I was in high school when that happened, but yeah, I also I, didn't know Tom Petty died. So <laughs> to be fair, we were out of the country <laughs> when it happened. <laughs> oh, no. I was like on the news, and someone was like, "There was like in memoriam or something of Tom Petty." I was like, "This fucking idiot, he's alive <laughs> still." Like hella bad about it. 
You're <laughs> angrily at tweeting oh, at you. I station. have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do me like that. Yeah, right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's some poor taste coming from an episode where we're talking about the boys. <laughs> in that case i did not enjoy it and you'll never be on the show again <laughs> okay so where are we at well really i think the only character we haven't really covered that much on is the female kimiko right yes that's true uh which they gave a lot more attention to this season. You know, they gave her her little sibling backstory, um, kind of fed the into Frenchie's, you know, story and, and how she's kind of a, a redemption for him. And I, I don't know, I, I think I kind of, I wish they did a little bit more with her, but, you know, they could always go further in season three. But the whole point of the character is very mysterious. So I guess it would be hard to without really taking away from what that character is meant to be. Yeah. I have a hard time with her because I felt like there was a thing that her brother was saying that such and such happened and she hasn't spoken since. So to me, that means that she she can speak or she could have spoken. So I kept expecting something really ex- insane to happen. And then she would finally decide to speak again, especially with the whole Frenchie moment. Um, so I was kind of disappointed. Like, I, I don't know. Obviously, maybe the background of the character requires that she doesn't. But I just was expecting that because it based on that one statement, maybe I just hooked too much on one stupid little throwaway line. But it seemed like it was a mental thing rather than a physical inability. However, I guess she's been alive for however many years, not using her vocal cords. So I suppose it would have be, been pretty difficult at that point. Yeah, but... And this is going to sound, I don't even care. I already talked about dolphin semen disintegrating people. Um, when, like, I got a little turned on when she laughed. That maniacal <laughs> laugh. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I enjoyed that part. I thought the laugh was enough for me with with her whole speaking thing. Like, okay, something's yeah. coming out. Yeah, okay. or, yeah, and that could be, like, a jumping off point of her like you know starting to um use her voice more but i also like the fact that like even though even though like she made up her you know own sign language which makes sense with the character because it's like well how would she know american sign language you know but i like that kind of um representation of a character like not speaking and using you know, yeah. some type of sign language. I like that a lot. And I like that they didn't just make her speak again, you know, like, cause I think, I think it really is like, I think it is like a hundred percent mental for her. And I don't know that, you know, just having like an emotional experience is going to make that happen again. Like, I think it would have to be like a lot, like, I'm glad it wasn't that simple for her to just be like oh this is a very traumatic thing that's happening so I'm gonna speak like I think it might take a little bit more than that so and but uh, but also at the same time like the other thing with that too is that like I think that her um teaching Frenchie I think was like a huge moment for her and like trusting somebody else somebody enough to share that with and 
you know, to, to make that connection. So like, I think that had a much bigger impact than her speaking, you know? That's Um, true. So I liked, I would gladly forfeit like that, you know, speaking moment to have the moment with Frenchie where like, he thinks like, she's like, fuck off. And she's like, no, 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 no. I'm teaching you. This is the word for gun. Like, I don't want to shoot you. (laughs) Like, this is what a gun is. (laughs) He's like, oh, okay, cool. And he's so, like, you can just see, like, the joy on his face, like, when he's like, she's teaching me. (laughs) Those two have great chemistry together. Yeah, and and I think they're clearly going the route of them having a real intimate relationship going forward, right? Like, they've, they've, season one, they, they put the whole him giving a shit about her, and then this season they've really doubled down on him wanting to be that figure there to help her, you know, open up to others and stuff. And and I think I don't remember if she was holding his hand, but I feel like at the last scene when they both go into the whatever the the hideout they they've been in all season, it, it looked like they were holding hands, but I might have just painted that fairy tale. I don't know. I feel like no, he put were, like his arm out and she hooked it. Or they it were be- the the last time we see them, they like they're leaving the hideout and he they like he takes her hand or whatever and um as they're going out like he spins her around because they had talked about like him dancing so he like spins her around and then they exit and they're i believe they're holding hands when they are walking up the stairs all right Um, yeah it's really sweet it's really cute like little moment there yeah and you know earlier on you see him try and kiss her and completely fail on that whole (laughs) moment And he goes to his side piece, yeah. I like her though. I like uh I like his former yeah, I mean obviously they still have stuff going on, but the one girl that we saw in the first season that he was having relations with, like she could yeah. very well be a part of like a love triangle with those three, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I don't think she will be. I cuz I mean I and I just watched this so I don't blame you for not remembering this, but like I just <laughs> Like, I literally just watched the episode, like, right before we recorded the Frenchie episode. In the beginning, he's talking about, like, the Golden Girls and, you know, his friends are making fun of him. And he calls, like, Sherry his Blanche. So I don't think, just from that, like, little, like, line, I think she basically, you know, gets what she wants from who she wants when she wants. So I don't think she's, like, at all, like, like, I think she loves him. But, like, I don't think it's, like, one of the, like, I don't think it'll ever be a problem. Like, I think it's, like, if he wants to be, like, in her bed, like, she'll be, like, okay. Or she'll be, like, fuck off. Like, whatever she's feeling in that moment, <laughs> you know? Because, like, he definitely showed a little bit of jealousy, too, when he went to her house, I believe, right? And she's, like, you know, like, what if I have somebody here? And he kind of, like, barged in. He's, like, do you? Yeah, I think that was more um, frustration because that was like, I think when Kimiko was like, no, dude, like, so I think that was more out of frustration for his advances towards Kimiko not being reciprocated. Like, I think he was hurt. And so he went to her, he went to Sherry to be like, all right, well, like, if she's not gonna, like, you know, love me, then I'm gonna go to her because I can always go to her. And she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute, like, this isn't how this works. Like, this is not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have sex with me because you're mad. Like, we're gonna have sex, like, when we both want to have sex, and it's fun, like. Plus, we don't really see her for 
a long time after he's introduced in the show on season one, right? She's there in the beginning. Yeah. He, he joins the crew, and then she's basically absent at that point, if, if from what I remember. She was in the basement of the pawn shop in the first episode of the second season. She oh, was, was standing, she? Yeah, she was standing okay. next to Frenchie. Like, there's no interaction, but she's definitely there. Okay. Yeah. So it's implied that she's still a part of his life. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I always thought that she was like kind of in and out, you know, like if she like if he needed help with something like she'd be like, OK, cool, like I'm going to help you, you know, because she does that whole thing with the um, don't, doesn't she like explode the building that they that she was living in or something? Yeah, to distract Homelander so they could uh, kill yeah. Translucent. Yeah. yeah. So I think they have like that friendship bond where it's like, OK, like if I need a, like a favor from you, like I'll get it. And, like no questions asked kind of thing. OK, that makes sense. Totally. Thank you for the clarification. All that is Frenchy, Jesse. <laughs> Sorry. <I'm just laughs> no, I, I mean, sure. most... a bit obsess- obsessive. That's all. <laughs> hey, it's OK. I am. I was, yeah, I, de- I definitely want to see more of Sherry just because I kind of have a crush on Sherry. So yeah, she's gorgeous. So no one's surprised. Oh, right? <laughs> <She's super. laughs> like I would like to see more of her as well. <laughs> I would just like to take her on a date and get to know her. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure she's into. Dating. I don't see her as a piece of meat. <laughs> I would just knock at her door and she'd be like, "No thanks," and I would just. <laughs> I would just turn around and like kick the <laughs> ground and walk away. Oh, damn it! Are you Uber it's... Eats? Uh, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs> oh no! Have you been separated from your grandchildren? Oh. I think that they won't do a triangle with those two characters, but I guess it's possible if they if that character is brought back for season three and in, in a bigger role. But she definitely had. A smaller role this season compared to the first season smaller role but it was definitely more vital this season yeah, yeah. i would expect them to have more of like a i would expect uh sherry to have more of a motherly or sisterly relationship with um kimiko because it or sisterly mostly but i i wouldn't expect there to be any jealousy or triangle situation going on personally because she seems like she's fairly i don't know progressive she's she seems like she's fine with like not having any attachments and whatever. Like she's very free in her romantic endeavors. So total, I feel like she's a total yeah. Blanche. Total Blanche. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I also, I think that like, you know, that her, you know, her love for like Frenchie, like she would, she would be able to recognize, like see the connection that he has with Kimiko and be happy that he's found somebody, you know, like that, you know. Right. Well, she kind of talked him through his feelings too about Kamiko at the apartment too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. she was like, oh, yeah. "We're like she flat out told him like the truth that he didn't want to hear." <laughs> Plus it's a scenario too where she's been through a lot of shit with him, right? So she knows Yeah. about his drug problems, his, his alcohol, like everything that he's gone through. I assume he would be open about what happened with those kids and that mission with her. So I would imagine she would be very happy for him if if 
she saw it, he found somebody that he had to make him a better person. How sad was it that that um, he saved his friend pretty much in vain to find out that he died not too long yeah. After what happened that night. That was that was hard. That's extra sad. I mean that just adds to the tragedy of those, you know, those years that he went through or however long it was from, you know, that mission with Lamplighter to, you know, when I guess Butcher calls him back up, you know, with Huey. Like that in between time you're like, Oh, he was probably so tortured <laughs> like during that whole time. Which explains all the drugs i'm sure right it, that's probably Take the pain away. well he was doing drugs before that but that was probably a good motivator to to really dive into doing that <laughs> more often for sure i have a quick question that's completely unrelated patrice lemieux is that a hockey player steven um i'm not i don't think so oh, there's okay. mario lemieux Oh, okay. Different name. That's why I recognize the last name. Uh, well, because uh, Sherry Jordana Lahoy, I think, is the actress's name. She played Patrice Lemieux's wife in some TV series. So <laughs> I thought it sounded familiar, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I I can tell you that Phil Hartman was murdered by his wife. If you oh, <laughs> thanks. If you do want some bit of information. And Tom Petty's <laughs> Pet dead too. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, Alex Trebek died today. So, oh. R.I.P. Very sad. Oh, uh, my friend texted me a long time ago, and I was like, "Oh, should I break the news on the podcast?" And I didn't want to. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. This, uh, this is oh, news no, to me. Fine. I didn't know. You didn't That's know? Oh no. I haven't really looked at anything. The hits just, just keep on coming. Woke up, took a shower, got ready for the podcast, and that was it. Oh, my God. Would it be a bad time to tell you about Heath Ledger? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he got that Oscar, right? Just at the end of <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, I think we've talked about, like, almost everything. But real quick, let's kind of do a rapid fire, hopefully. Does oh. everyone... <laughs> not because I'm not enjoying our time, but... I think you guys might have other responsibilities. Um, what was everyone's favorite part of season two? I mean, mine, to nobody's surprise, is going to be the, the Frenchie episode. Um, what? Oh, <laughs> God. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that just, you know, just having more information about that character. And like I said before, tying it in all the way back to, you know, the first episode or two of season one was just like such a wonderful like payoff that you didn't really know like you didn't you weren't really looking for that but you got it and I was like oh yeah that's awesome so that was probably my favorite my favorite part nice um you know I think I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with Billy Butcher doing the right thing mm, yeah that's cool. I really enjoyed that I mean yeah, that was, and and again, I think a very powerful moment just in commentary was with the whole dude listening to, you know, an Alex Jones type of thing that that progressed. I thought that, like, in a different way, that was a powerful moment, but my favorite moment was Billy Butcher just finally being the hero that no one really knew he could be. And that was, and, it, and the effect it had on all the other, like, on all the other characters wanting to step up and just like the camaraderie. I remember when like they were going to go save the kid 
and he's like, this is nobody's fight. And I think like Mother's Milk says, you can kiss my black dick or something like that. <laughs> he goes, this is the time for us to finally do something good. Like, we're going to do it. So, like, you really got to see the camaraderie between, you know, our core group of, of boys. And that was a lot of fun. And uh, Mother's Milk really ate those words, huh? <laughs> Oh, that was great. Uh, I would say my my favorite part was probably the courtroom scene. Because even though they had already done that moment in like the first episode on a smaller scale, by the time you get to that spot, you completely forget that that's even uh, an issue. That there's there's even somebody out there doing that. You're so focused on what's going to happen with the court ruling and and what's going to happen with Vi and and homelander and all of the political stuff that you do not expect that shit show to happen and i think it brought like a new level of intensity to the season for me yeah it was mind-blowing okay literally yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh um my favorite part is gonna have to be when you find out who the head exploder is, because I think my favorite part about it was that Steven didn't guess who it was going to be. <laughs> In your face, Steven. Yeah. Because we, when we, and then it blew things, my mind like, that I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> we were just like, it exploded literally. Yeah. Yeah. Or it we're left always... you stumped. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We're always constantly that predicting was... what's going to happen next and things. So I think that one was such a good reveal that it, I don't think anybody knew. Well, I mean, maybe somebody did, but neither one of us knew. So it was really nice to be surprised. Yeah, I don't know if I just make it a focus in my life to try and predict everything I watch or if I'm just good at it. I I like to think that I'm just good at it. I but... mean... The, what I did enjoy about this season is I just really did not know where anything was ever going because it is not at all what the comic has. Like they have glimpses of what the comic is, but it's all scripted and written in its own story. So but, it's, it's great Steven, for people that read the comic. I really hope you were just listening to the most important plot point. Jessica likes to be surprised. Take a hint. Do something. <laughs> <like>. <laughs> surprise i didn't do the dishes oh no that's not a surprise <laughs> i wasn't gonna say it that's but... like a daily thing that was just a <laughs> oh man okay so does everybody does anyone have like um the biggest what's the most disappointing part of this season what were you most let down by for me instantly it was black nar and his lack of a story really I, he was basically just the henchman for Vought this season uh, i i know it's more because i was under the impression he'd have a bigger role but he aside from his one badass moment against a terrorist he really didn't do anything other than errands for Vought. totally 100 percent agree wait can i go back another great moment was we got to see terror we got yeah. to see Terror the dog. That's true. <laughs> but I agree with Steve. The Black Noir thing was a letdown for sure. I can only hope that they're going in a bigger direction 
with that character for season three because they have a lot they can do with that character whether they follow the comics or not they they can easily give oh shit moments especially with the reveal of who he is yeah which again i just based on the actor who plays him i don't see that happening but i i could be wrong that would be good we'll talk after we'll talk yeah speaking of which my kiddos are pulling up so i'm gonna i'm gonna jump off and uh and 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 not be homelander as a dad (laughs) (laughs) so i hate to just leave you guys at the very end but they are literally coming to the door so i hope you all have a great night thank you for joining us thank you thank you for having me all right bye-bye bye Bye. uh so what about you jessica what was your biggest letdown um uh, well i mean was it just the same one It, it was the same exact one yeah i was I think built up by Anthony Starr at the C2E2 thing talking about how fucking crazy it was going to be. And I was like, okay, this is going to be so nuts. And then it just wasn't like the very first scene or whatever was like, holy fuck, this guy's nuts. And then that was about it. And I was like, okay, well, I kept expecting there to be more from him and there really just wasn't a lot. So yeah, that was my, my biggest disappointment as well. Yeah. I think between Stormfront the boat chase and the courtroom. I think those were like really the, the three big moments of the show. Otherwise it was all pretty expected from season one. So just, did you say your moment or did I black out? Um, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't really have much of a, like, I don't remember, like I, I didn't remember that from the, the C2E panel that it was, that it was built up that much. So um, I wasn't expecting a lot from Black Noir, so that didn't really disappoint me per se. Oh, I mean, it would be nice to see more, but like, uh, like again, like most of my disappointment, like if I had to pick something that disappointed me, it's more just wanting to see more of a certain character. So I guess like mine would be like I, I just want to see more um, of Mother's Milk. Like I like his character a lot, so it was kind of disappointing that he was more of a peripheral character this season so next season i would like to see a little bit more of him yeah and from what i hear in the comics there's a lot more to him so i think i would agree with you yeah i i I would be shocked if they didn't dive into his character more because they've basically done everybody else in the group other than him as far as backstories so i think that they will be leading into that direction do you think we've finished? Do you think we've talked about all this? I think yeah, we kind of talked about where we were <laughs> heading, where we want to see season three head. Uh, yeah. Unless there's so anything how- else you guys want to discuss on that. No, I think we covered. I feel like we covered everything that we possibly could. I feel pretty yeah. good about. Awesome. <laughs> about Great. That. Well, I guess we should wrap it up then. Right. Yeah. yeah. Safe sex. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, just do you want to plug any of your stuff? Okay, so yeah, if you want to hear more of my lovely voice, you can head over to the Leftover Army Monsters podcast. I'm on a lot of those episodes, so you can go back and uh, take a look at some of those. Um, My old podcast that is, I guess it's done, um, or it's on hiatus, Uh, A Couple of Nerds, there's a bunch of episodes on there that you can listen to. Um, I sometimes stream... Uh, video games i'm hopefully if i can actually procure a ps5 i'll be streaming um 
Demon Souls, uh, when that comes out and you can, um, look at that on either my Twitch channel, uh, my screen name's Big Green Monster or, uh, YouTube, which is the same, same screen name. So nice. Um, yeah. You can check out those. And there's a couple, there's a couple streams, I think on YouTube somewhere. It should be on that channel, I believe of like me playing like Bloodborne, um, or one of the Dark Souls games. You can check that out. That's pretty much it. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. I yeah. went way longer than I thought it would. I'm thinking like, <laughs> oh, it's been like an hour and a half. Really, really, really Famous hard. last words. Probably two, yeah. two, you know, two, two and a half hours. <laughs> it definitely uh, beat the Snyder Cut recording. At <laughs> two and a half, right? Yeah. So. It was after editing, I think it was. Yeah. Always a good time, though. Yeah, it's fun. I'll I'll come on anytime. Okay. Uh, thanks everyone for listening to this anatomy of the boys, as we called it. Um, if you enjoyed what you heard, or you want to hear more of us, check us out on Facebook. We have a group called Dissecting This Fiction Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at DTF Pod. We will be posting news and stories and whatnot all week long. You can interact with us there while you're waiting for the next episode. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. We would really appreciate a review, especially if you have Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, um, because if we get on the charts, then people will notice us, which would be great. If you could send us direct feedback, that would be cool, too. You can send us an email at dtfpod at gmail.com. You can even send us suggestions um, or content requests. We would love to hear from you in any form. You can also find us on our website, dtfcast.com, or follow Stephen on social media. At Classy Cat Dad on Instagram and Twitter. Yep. And uh, stay tuned for our next regular episode coming up soon in the next couple days. We'll see. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>